Georgia's best cross-country teams are about to converge on Carrollton. It's time for the GHSA Cross-Country State Championships. Here to get you ready, Atlanta Track Club's Enrique Tomas and Eric Heinz. Welcome, everybody, to the first of what hopes to be many of our Atlanta Track Club podcasts here around high school cross-country and track and field. I am Eric Heinz, uh, and I'm in about my fourth month here with the Track Club, but I've been a part of Georgia running now for over 15 years. And with me is Enrique Tomas. Hey, guys. I've been with the Track Club for about five years. Grew up here in Georgia running cross-country and track at Northview High School and been really excited being part of this community. So we're doing this podcast as an effort to really try to elevate high school running uh, and the competition around running here in the state of Georgia. In the last 10 to 15 years, this sport has grown exponentially and it's become far more competitive than it has in the past. So our hope here is to really try to lay out the competitive nature of the sport and give a great preview of what is going to be happening here at Carrollton this next weekend here. So I'm going to have Enrique talk a little bit about the background of the track club a little bit, and then we're going to go on and talk a little bit about the season as well. Yeah, so the track club was founded around high school running. We've spent 55 years honoring the top Metro Atlanta athletes by selecting the all-Metro teams for both track and cross-country. That was the first event that Atlanta Track Club hosted in its founding by, by Hawthorne Wesley 55 years ago. Um, even before the Peachtree. So high school running is in our blood. So it's really exciting to be able to take this podcast to a new level and really try to explore and take a look at all of the athletes. This season has been a very exciting season in Georgia. We've seen a lot of very strong performances, a lot of fast performances, a lot of deep competition throughout the season. At the Wingfoot Cross Country Classic, we saw Harrison boys take the trophy and Marist High School girls take the trophy over there. We saw all the top 10 teams gave a pretty good preview of the all-class championships in that meet earlier in this season. We had one athlete this year, Graham Blanks from Athens Academy, take the win at Great American, which is one of the deepest competitions in the Southeast, wouldn't you say? I don't think that's ever happened before. I know we've had athletes in the past finish in the top five, uh, athletes pushing at the front pack, going up that final hill. But to see a, a Georgia boy cross that line first, I think that is groundbreaking. And on top of that, we've had some of the fastest guys we've ever seen. We've seen a bunch of guys break under that 15-minute barrier and a bunch of women also underneath that 1730, 1740 barrier in Georgia. We should have quite a few national qualifying uh, potential athletes from here. Yeah, when you look at that and you think about these statistics, there was five boys we've had under 15 minutes this year already. We've had 16 boys under 1530, uh, nine girls under 18 flat. This is an incredible year. And when you consider the conditions that we've really had for training, we've gotten lucky on race day, I think, a couple times with some nice cooler mornings. But uh, certainly, I don't think any anyone expected to see the breakthroughs that we've had this year? Definitely not. We did not see any cool weather till mid-October. So we've been training and running in the heat. We've seen these athletes go through brutal temperatures. Yeah. And I think speaking to this talent that's been stretched out across the state, really, usually it's been centered in the metro area. But this year we're getting people from middle Georgia, from north Georgia, really outside of the traditional sort of powerhouses that have dominated the scene. We have people from from all over the state now. Yeah, absolutely. And traditionally, 7A has always been the, the strongest class leading the way in the front. And this year we're seeing a lot from the smaller classes, 1A private, 4A and 6A 
are arguably some of the deeper competitions this year. Yeah, and I think it's going to make it interesting when you consider the top athletes being spread out because it adds a little bit of uh, a change to the nature of these races. You know, are these athletes going to just go for the victory at times or are they going to push and really try to break records or to get the fastest time on the day? And in those cases where we do have athletes who go heads up, what's the outcome going to be? How are they going to race? So a lot of excitement coming down the line here. Tactics are are definitely going to be a a key part of this, especially at our state meet where we've got a lot of hills, a lot of turns, and it's a two loop course where everything can kind of change on that second loop versus the first loop. I know we've had a, a couple of different iterations of that course. Garrett, can you tell us a little bit more about those? So I'm actually going to give quite a bit of history here on uh, some cross-country running in the state of Georgia, probably more than you want to hear, Enrique, but I'll, I'll get to Carrollton in a moment. In a little bit of research, going back to the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution archives. Oh, man, way know, back. Title sponsor of Peachtree Road Race, of course. Uh, the first cross-country meet in Georgia on record occurred just before World War One, and it took place in Midtown, or what was likely just downtown or just empty fields then. And it was between Boys High, Tech High, Marist School, and Georgia Military, which has evolved into Woodward Academy today. I believe Boys High is now Grady High School. So you get some sense of the history here. And those meets continued sort of uh, through the 19-teens. And there's a a record actually of uh, Coach Heisman of the Heisman Trophy fame being an official starter for one of these events. Wow. And uh, my favorite tidbit is that uh, they had weight classes. So they had over 100 pounds and under 100 pounds. Wow, I couldn't imagine doing that today. (laughs) No, no, there'd be like six people in that under 100 pound category. Uh, But I I just find that amazing. But, you know, war changes everything. And World War I basically put a stop to what appears to be cross country for about the next 30 years uh, in Georgia history. And we don't get any modern records until around 1953. So post-World War II, right after uh, the Korean War. So we're talking about the Eisenhower administration here. And we start seeing state championships. The GHSA records go back to 1953, and we have athletes mostly coming from the Atlanta area, champions coming mostly from what would be the Atlanta metro area. And as we move into the 60s, things start to get formalized a little bit. This is where you start to see some of those names that we recognize. Uh, Westminster boys won their first state championship in 1962, and they've been doing it ever since. So pretty incredible to think about that. So up until 1965, it was just one classification. And other than Indiana, I don't know if there's any other states that just run a single classification. So that would have been a really neat thing. So when we talk about a meet of champs or what they get at Wingfoot Cross Country Classic where everyone comes together, that's what we used to get at the state meet up until 1965. A nice little coincidence, this coming weekend, the weekend of our state championships, Andrew and Amy Bagley, uh, Atlanta Track Club staff coaches, they're in the state of Indiana for the 25th anniversary of the two of them both winning a state championship. So same day, same meet, and they've been together ever since. So kind of neat. What, what kind of romance can we find in Carrollton this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> So we had that sticking up through about 1965 when they started and they moved to three classifications. And um, by 1973, they jumped up to four. What I found interesting is that it was single A, double A, triple A, and B. And I just have to think about what school would want to be in the B class when there was a triple A class. It's interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that would be insulting and it didn't last very long at that time. 
but real neat shift because as the population centers were changing here, you started seeing the champions coming out of DeKalb County a lot more. So from 1970s through the 80s, this really was the era of the DeKalb schools. And to my knowledge, the state championships were held at the Atlanta Waterworks, uh, which is right near where Georgia Tech and Ikea are, sort of the west side of Atlanta, so to speak. And uh, I can't always you know, determine what the, the race distances were, but it's cross country, it doesn't matter. You know, It's just the first to cross the finish line. But everyone I've ever spoken to about this Atlanta Waterworks course said there was this suicidal downhill where you ran straight down a hill, straight towards this reservoir, and you made an immediate right-hand turn. And either you made the turn by grabbing onto a flag or, or whatever the, the fencing was, or you ended up in the drink. Uh, and if you were unlucky, someone would grab the flag and let go, and it would come back and whack you. Uh, so, you know, sort of a, a more violent version of cross-country at that time. But the 70s were a period of, of change for cross-country, particularly because girls began competing in 1975. And this was a big deal. The inaugural winners were North Cobb High School and Barry Academy. I'm not sure if that school even exists anymore. If it does, I'm sorry, Barry Academy. Uh, but you guys won the first one, and that was a real exciting thing for that, I'm sure. Uh, but 1984, so we push into the, the next decade here, and that's a big deal because the Westminster girls won their first state championship. And why do I bring up Westminster twice? Because these two programs have more state championships than any other school in the state of Georgia in cross country. And 1984 is their first, I think, of around 30 state championships. As we move through the 1980s, private schools were starting to make their presence known. Pace Academy was winning a lot in the smaller classifications and divisions. But when you moved up to the bigger schools, you started seeing Cobb County schools, particularly Lassiter High School uh, was at the top. And those Gwinnett schools, Parkview, Brookwood, etc., cetera, uh, their names are always finishing in the top one, two, or three uh, year in and year out through the 1980s. By the late 1980s, you really get a change again in location as we move to Al Bishop Park in Cobb County. And this was an interesting course because it was a three-loop course. So when you consider the way Carrollton is set up with two loops, when do you make your move? You know, And this, you got one mile, you got two mile, you got three mile, and each one had a very large uphill with a very significant downhill. So lots of strategy could be used, very spectator friendly, but uh, we outgrew that course and eventually would move on. Uh, interesting footnote as well, Atlanta Track Club hosted a meet at Al Bishop through uh, 2004 through 2007. And I, I actually ran in it and ran quite slowly in it, but a lot of fun there. <laughs> Um, now, as you move into the decade of the 1990s, uh, initially we were at Al Bishop Park, and then we go and eventually we'll move to Carrollton School Complex with all the different schools that are there, the elementary school, the middle school, and the high school. And this course was known as Old Carrollton, uh, and it had a, a big woody section that people would run back into and then you know, sort of disappear for a minute or two, and then whoever came out would be the leader and presumably would, would bring home the victory. But from what I've heard, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. One example I had was Brendan Mahoney. Um, he holds the mile record for the state of Georgia. I believe he still owns that. Uh, equivalent of a 403, uh, 1600, who, and he defeated Alan Webb uh, heads up back in 1999 on the track. He ran 1608 there as you know one of the greatest runners in Georgia history. So certainly a, a very difficult course out there. But as Carrollton grows and the meat grows and cross country grows, the, the schools grow. 
and we start getting construction projects that altered the course. So when I began my coaching career, it was just Carrollton. It was not old Carrollton, it was Carrollton because they had built several new schools and it forced them to reroute it into what was a much faster course, one you could actually PR on. So as you look at the early 2000s, there were a lot of people running season's best at the state meet, which is not something you really see anymore. And that's a topic of conversation. You know, Should the state meet be a course that people run fast on? What do you take on that, Enrique? There's a lot to be said about running difficult courses, being different fast courses, and it's it's cross country. Cross country is about beating the other guy in front of you. It's not about the time. It's about what challenges can they get. Speaking to, to Coach Harris, he was a meet director when the first meet was brought over to Carrollton, and he designed a course that was difficult. It was intentionally difficult because he wanted to see who was the greediest ones there. Now he's just the announcer and the voice of God over there, but it's cross country, and that's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter if the course is hard. It doesn't matter if it's, it's flat and fast. It just changes what tactics the athletes have to think about. Yeah, and you see that really at the international level with the World Cross Country Championships this past year being brutally tough. You know, they ran up the side of a museum, I think it was. Yeah, there was a museum, built water pits, all of that. And, you know, if you ever talk to any old timers, it's always, you know, cross country is supposed to be about, you know, climbing over hill and dale and, you know, wading through streams. So it's a stark contrast to the speed that we see so often where, where courses are designed for people to run as fast as they can. So Carrollton is a differentiator there. It's, it's separate from this tradition that we've moved towards. You know, it is supposed to be difficult and it's supposed to measure really the toughest runner. So that new Carrollton course we saw though was fast by our current Carrollton standards. So you saw uh, two of the greatest running performances ever uh, on that course. Uh, Burkmar High School's uh, Germa Macheso ran 15.01 on that course, defeating Ben Hubers. Both of those were uh, um, national qualifiers that year. Ben ran around 15.30. And then also Emily Borcher of uh, McIntosh High School, uh, who's currently coaching now, I believe, in, in Noonan. Uh, she set the course record at that layout in 17.45. So definitely capable of running really fast on that course, although it was still challenging. And it had the, the meat and the bones of the current layout. But you know, when we get to 2012, we change things. With the growth of Carrollton and the growth of the fields, we had to reroute it. And that's when the infamous separation slope was added uh, and some of the changes to what most folks call the band field. And times have slowed since then. And there's been a couple of sort of iterations of that course, but 2013, 2014, this new version of Carrollton is finalized. And uh, now we can compare really apples to apples of the last six or seven years or so. And currently the record holders are Riley Friedman of Galloway in uh, 1552 and Serena Tripodi of Lovett in 1817. And these are both national caliber talents and uh, both qualified to nationals through Nike, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, both of them ran solo efforts that day. They really were remarkable uh, to see those things. Now this year, I think we have a real shot at seeing these records go down. And if I was a betting man, I'd be putting some money on the likes of Graham Blanks or Sully Shelton or Justin Wachtel 
trying to stamp their name on it on the boys' side. And, you know, on the girls' side, there's a host of people who are going to try to push that, I think. You know, in your opinion, do you think there's a chance that these things actually go down this year? It's an interesting thought. So a lot of these guys, that they're all in separate races. So they're going to have less people to push them and work together. So if we see that go down, it's likely going to be in a solo effort or maybe just one or two guys who are really going to be pushing for it. So it, it'll be very interesting. Same thing with the ladies. A lot of those top ladies are spread out among the classes. So there's going to be not really a whole lot of teamwork to be able to push on some of those hills when you're struggling. If you're going down, somebody else taking the lead to keep you pushing. So it'd be really interesting and probably be just as impressive as when Riley and when uh, Tripodi both both set those course records. Yeah, I'm with you in that I think having a person with you really pushes you to be your best. But I'm wondering if Riley and Serena were able to relax in a certain way because both of them kind of had those races sewn up early enough that they could push for time and they weren't worried about someone beating them, which may cause you to change your tactics. They could just go all out without much fear. This year, you know, is that going to help someone like Justin Wachtel? I don't know. Or is it going to help someone like Graham Blanks, who's got Devin Wade and has uh, Zach Truitt pushing him to that level? You know, a lot can change. And speaking of change, you know, as we've moved into this new version of Carrollton, we've really started to see our traditional state championships move as well. Well, I think the early 2000s were owned by Gwinnett County schools, Brookwood boys, Collins Hill girls, some of the best teams Georgia has ever had. Uh, Now we start to see some Fulton County schools, Milton High School, Cambridge High School popping up, uh, Forsyth County schools like South Forsyth, Lambert High School, and Cobb County returning back into the mix with Marietta stepping up and and others, uh, along with, you know, the continued um, excellence of some of the private schools, St. Pius X, Marist School, Landmark Christian, Westminster, Blessed Trinity, you know, a lot has changed over this time, and uh, 2019 is going to be an exciting edition of this state meet. Certainly. Yeah, we should we should see a lot of a lot of top performances, and we'll see where everybody shakes out. I agree. Cobb County is coming up with Marietta and, and Harrison being pretty strong on both the boys and the girls' side, and and Fulton County coming up too. Gwinnett might be having a down year, might not be. We'll see how they play out this year. So as we're looking at this year, just want to do a quick look at what the schedule looks like. So this is the third year that we're looking at the Georgia State Championships being a two-day meet, right? So a few years ago, there was a little bit of hesitation with whether or not this was a good idea or not. This year, I think it's gotten a lot of positive reviews. You've got more people racing in the morning with better, cooler weather. So we're going to see on Friday, November 1st, the races are starting at 9 a.m. We've got 4A, boys and girls, 6A and 5A all competing on Friday. Saturday, is going to be kicked off at 8 a.m. Should have nice, cool weather for the 1A private schools. 7A is going to follow, 2A, 3A, and then 1A public is going to wrap up the day as they have in the past. So we're, we're looking like we should have some pretty good weather this year, and it should be a great state meet. And that weather is an important piece because if you look at Wednesday and Thursday, there's a real chance of rain both of those days to soften up the course a little bit. But Friday and Saturday are nothing short of perfection. I'm looking at uh, a low of 39 and a high of 60 for the Friday races, which is perfect. And then uh, those Saturday races, a low of 45 and a high of 62. So no one's going to be able to pull that card of, oh, you know, it was too cold for us or too hot for us. And we can't compare apples to apples. This may be one of the first years we really get a good sense of which teams have the best state performance. Yeah. And this is probably going to be the best weather they've had all year. So they have all the opportunity to run the best races they can. Undoubtedly. 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 
Will you be part of Running City USA? An Atlanta Track Club membership keeps you running and walking all year. There are races, training programs, and group runs for runners and walkers of all ages and abilities. Learn more at atlantatrackclub.org. So, Enrique, the first race of the day is going to be the 4A boys race on Friday in that chilly morning air, probably about 40, 42 degrees, and it's going to be a great race. Truly a race, I think, where uh, you have three, potentially four teams fighting for that crown, which is different than what it has been for the last decade, where it's been dominated by Marist and St. Pius. But the addition of Denmark this year and the, the recent rise of Blessed Trinity as well is going to make it an exciting race. So I'm going to go ahead and give you what I think my predictions are and give you some statistics here that we can work with. And working backwards from fifth place, I'm picking Cartersville. Now, I know Cartersville is ranked eighth, but uh, those Hurricanes who are led by Coach Bill Archer have been really improving. They were region champs, and uh, I believe that they have kind of a chip on their shoulder. And while you know their region was at Clinton Farms, uh, I think they have a lot to prove and to prove that those times were not an anomaly. Yeah, so the the Hurricanes, they're a partner school for uh, Wingfoot Cross Country, and we've seen a lot of stuff from Coach Mathern, who's out there, and he's been out there for 30, 30 plus years. Yeah, I'm sorry, I put I said Bill Archer, but Bill Archer was the uh, the top runner that they're led by. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you go. I apologize for that, but I, I think Cartersville is going to be there pushing and have a great chance to compete for the podium, along with the likes of the the schools I mentioned beforehand. But for fourth place, I'm actually going to go with Blessed Trinity, making it on the podium. And while they're currently ranked third in the class, the Titans, who are led by Coach Greg Johnson, really are starting to, to show up. They have a very tight spread in their pack and really are a true team when you consider it. They don't have that front runner that so many others are, are running off of. Now, Blessed Trinity does rank second in the virtual meet off of the season average time, but uh, we know how that gets skewed by various course performances. So I'm going with Blessed Trinity in, uh, in fourth place. And then moving up to third, I'm making a prediction that Marist School is, is going to take that slot. Now, Marist has finished first or second for the last... 11 years, I believe it is, in Class 4A. And those War Eagles, who are now led by the new coach, Matt McMurray, uh, they had an off day, to say the least, at Region. And I know that there was some conversation about what happened. They finished fourth at Region, but they were missing two of their top five, and those two will return uh, for the state meet. And I think that puts them back in the position of being able to contend. And, you know, they have beaten St. Pius this year. They have not beaten Denmark yet this year, but they've beaten Blessed Trinity this year. They've beaten Cartersville this year. And when you consider those pieces and the tradition and the rich history of that program, I'm going to bet and put them in third place there. Uh, their top runner, Jalen Mallett, is going to be a, a big determining factor. You know, he's likely to be on the podium and, and help give him that low stick. But now here's where you have this real big question. You know, who is going to be at the top? St. Pius, you know, who has won or come in second the last 10 years at the state meet, or Denmark, sort of the new kids on the block. And Coach uh, Ty Brown and Coach Andrew Hudson over there have a lot to prove. And, and well, Coach Hudson has nothing to prove. He proved it in his days at Collins Hill. But this is going to be a, a really interesting race when you consider this. You know, Denmark has demonstrated their, their speed and strength at, at ASICS, uh, where they had a really strong run. Um, they dominated that region seven quad A. And I think most, for the most part, flew under the radar this year. And people were not thinking about them. And they came out and just 
blew out that region meet and all of a sudden people are saying, okay, these guys have a real shot. Now they are a team that has a strong set of front runners, but they also have a really good pack. And if they can get that pack into the top 20, uh, they can take home this victory. But uh, I am making the prediction that I believe St. Pius is going to be the number one team. And they're currently ranked second, uh, but Coach McClay uh, seems to always have them ready at the state meet. And they're led by Chad DeWitt, and uh, I, I think they're going to be able to pull this off. Now, I will admit that they showed a little bit of weakness at Great American, but very strong pack, super consistent. They rarely have a bad day. Uh, lots of tradition and a, a great pack team. And when you consider that their number four runner is better than anyone else's number four runner on paper, uh, that, that is a big determining factor for me because their one, two, and three can run with most others, one, two, and three. But you need that four and five down there, and I think St. Pius has got that. You know, so a lot happened in there with St. Pius being the predictor, but I think the the dark horse, the surprise uh, for a lot of folks will be how close Denmark makes it. When you look a little bit further down, uh, and I mentioned Cartersville in fifth, I think there's two teams that are going to take issue with that. That's going to be Oconee County and North Oconee, both of whom have been really, you know, contending this year and, and running well this year. And I, I think if they have the right day, they have that shot at, at fourth place, fifth place, and, and maybe even third if they hit a home run uh, on that Friday morning. Yeah, I mean, if you look at those two teams, Oconee County and North Oconee, they both have two very different type teams. North Oconee has a good low stick on the front side, where Coney County has a pretty pretty solid group that they're going to try and move up as a pack. I mean, I don't, I don't see or take any issue with your predictions for that. It's going to be interesting to see where Denmark is. They haven't really competed against any of these other teams, so there's really nothing that we can look at and say, yeah, Denmark over St. Pius or Pius the other way. So it's really all speculation and I agree I think Denmark could take it yeah I, I think you're right on this they, I mean they have it they're going to come up with a different attitude uh, and they're going to be approaching this from the standpoint of you know this is ours we're going to take it this is the first time but there's something to be said about being Marist or St. Pius and, and looking down the line and saying we're the only two schools that have done this for the last decade you know that's an impressive feat now in Blessed Trinity's defense they did win uh, a state championship over Westminster uh, and they have a very strong team but since they've moved to 4A, they have not gotten out of third place. So uh, St. Pius and Marist can have that little bit of hubris or arrogance, at the confidence of having gotten the job done. Well, Denmark, I think, is going to have that chip on the shoulder, which is going to give them that, that extra oomph to really make it close. And, and another thing that's interesting, especially in this, it, 4A is one of those where it's really a melting pot between private schools and public schools. Denmark is is a public school. Those other three or four schools that you mentioned are all private schools. So I wonder if that's something that they're also going to be thinking is we're, we're public. We're going to push this out there. It's been a long time since a public school has won 4A. It is. And I know in years past, people have proclaimed themselves the public school state champions. And I, I know why, because it's tough going up against some of these private schools. Uh, Denmark's success, though, does reflect that shift to Forsyth County that we've talked about, too, as the successful programs have branched out beyond sort of traditional Gwinnett and Cobb areas. So uh, a really interesting phenomenon happening there. And when you look out to Oconee and North Oconee, that's the Athens area. So a lot of diversification in where these strong programs are coming from. 
So I think that means we should probably look at the individuals a little bit here. And you know, I, I'm going to come out and, and make a, a bold prediction that I think a lot of people will take issue with. Oh, I'm wondering what this is going to be. Uh, I think Justin Wachtel is probably going to win uh, his first uh, cross-country state championship. I think the question is, is by how much? Yeah, he, he really is a total package, this Mary Persons runner. Uh, I, I think the bigger bet is how well is he going to finish at the national meet, whether he goes to an XN or he goes to Foot Locker. But, you know, he's a 416-911 guy, but his cross-country performances are much stronger than that. And for someone who has been seen as sort of a strength runner, his kick is vicious. And he's gone undefeated this entire season, and I don't see that changing. The question is both how much does he win by and does he have a shot at that record? Uh, do you think he could challenge Riley Friedman's? I think I think if there's anybody who's going to run a solo effort and go for this record, it's Wachtel. He, last year, I just remember him taking it out. We're all looking at this kid. And two years ago, he took out this race and led for a mile and a half, almost two miles, just pushing it from the front, looking like he was at full sprint the whole way. And he still races that way as he did as a freshman, as he did as a sophomore. So I, I think he's going to be one who's going to push the pace and try to get that record, not just go for a win. Cause I think he, he knows that he's got that locked up. He does. He does really super nice, humble kid, uh, willing to push the pace, willing to suffer. And he, he held that lead until Atlanta track club's own intern, Leif Anderson, uh, was able to pass him for that victory and walked was second last year, but he, he remembers that and he wants it. And when you look at his sort of resume this year, victory at Alexander Asics in 1426, victory at Wingfoot Classic and that amazing kick in 1511, uh, and victories across the board, many of which were in course record times, uh, you know, twice under 15 minutes. He is the class of the field, and I really think that he's going to be the, the class of Georgia, except for perhaps Graham Blanks, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Now, when you look down beyond that, it's a lot more complicated in 4A and a lot more muddled. And my pick for second is going to be a Denmark's number one runner, Karthik Kochuj Prambril. And I, I apologize to, to Karthik uh, if I mispronounced his last name, but he is a phenomenal runner and uh, truly what I consider massively underrated. He is a 418 guy. He's run 152 in the 800. He's got a vicious kick, uh, but he is unproven on the hills. Denmark has mostly run some flatter courses. Uh, I'd be interested to see what happens when he gets to Carrollton. But I think that he has the ability to, to beat the rest of that field. And I think right behind him is going to be Ethan Ashley of Denmark as well. And he's a 428, 948 guy, but consistently near the front. Very predictable, very consistent, super strong. I saw him race at the Region 7 Quad A meet, and, and he was very tough. So when you move beyond that, then you start really getting into the top runners of some of the other teams. Uh, and I predict Jalen Mallett will finish fourth. I think if he is on, he's got a great shot at running with Karthik and Ethan, and he can might be second because uh, he's consistently beaten most of the other runners in class 4A. 159, 433 guy. So good wheels, good strength. Uh, it just depends you know, if he's going to be able to stay with that pack and if that pack chases after Wachtel. And then my pick for fifth place is going to be Chad DeWitt of St. Pius. Really consistent, rock-solid runner, super hard worker. Consider that he was a 446-953 guy, and now he's one of the best people in quad A. That's a testament to the work that Coach McClay has been doing with Chad, and he's improved quite a bit. Now, if you look at the virtual meet, it's Wachtel far and away. But I think we have to mention two dark horses to really surprise people. And I'm going to throw out uh, the name of Luke Gaddis from Chestity. 
Uh, he ran super hungry at Region 74A, and I know he's got something to prove out there, and I know he's going to stick his nose into that front pack. And then also uh, Davis Potts of North Oconee, 432-940 guy. He's been top four at every meet he's gone to except Warpath, and uh, I anticipate he's got the confidence to put himself into that mix. So a lot of excitement here. When you look at those schools and you look at those runners, each of them has a team that's in the hunt as well. So you can't just go all out unless you're Wachtel because if you were to fade, you might lose five, six places. And that's the difference between second for your team and third for your team or being on the podium or not being on the podium. So there's a lot on the line when you think about this uh, Class 4A boys race. Yeah, that, that podium is going to be tough to get on for sure. Uh, there's a couple of pairs of teammates that are going to are really going to push themselves. I mean, Davis Potts also has his teammate Alex Thomas who's been with him the entire They've, they've been trading places the entire season, so they're going to have another person to work with. Same with Karthik and, and Ashley. That's right, and you could consider Jalen Mallett with Diego Palmasano together uh, as well. Um, you know, so there's a lot happening there. Uh, and, and those top BT guys, uh, Josh Fuller and Adam Wade, they too have been uh, very consistent. So it's really the year of sort of the one-two punches for most of these schools in contention for the trophies. What do we have on the girls' side? I believe this to be the most exciting team race that we've seen in Georgia cross-country for a long time. And uh, this pits together the number one and number two teams all class along with I believe the number four team all class in Blessed Trinity. Never do we have three of those schools together and three schools that are as evenly matched as they really are. Uh, and when it's incredible, when you think about this meet, we have not just these these top performing schools, but these are some of the best teams in Georgia history, not just 2019, but in history. I mean, consider the statistic that uh, Marist has had six girls under 19 minutes in the same race once this year. And consider the statistic that St. Pius has had two girls under 18 in the same race this year. And that's things that you've never heard of, we've never seen, you know, going back to some of the, the Collins Hill days in the, in the mid-2000s. So really a, a new level of, of high school cross-country here on the girls. So if we look at the, the girls' race, my prediction for fifth place is going to be uh, White County. They're currently ranked fifth in 4A, and uh, led by Coach Matt Dover. The Warriors are, are led by individual Ellie Gearing as well. Uh, White County has a lot going for them. They're a strong team that's been consistently improving throughout this season. Strong pack running, and I, I think they're a little bit underrated. Uh, but when you get to fourth place and make it on the podium, I'm going to put out the name of Oconee County. They're led by Coach Lynn Eli uh, and their individual number one runner, Jenna Champer. And uh, they are a phenomenal school. Ranked top 10 all class. You know, Oconee County can be a state champion really in almost any classification probably just not in 4a this year looking at the firepower that's in front of them you know it's the toughest division and they have a one-two punch that is really strong but if they're going to move up to third or if they're going to have a shot at getting second they're going to need their their four and five to, to step up and really you know drop that 30 to 45 seconds uh, necessary to compete with some of these other schools and i can say that the oconee county team came to atlanta track clubs cross country camp this summer and i can tell you the amount of hills that we ran, all of those girls are are tough as nails. So they're going to have a lot of strength on the on the Carrollton course. So if they're going to pull it off, they're they're ready to do it. And and their number one has stepped up big. Uh, Jenna Champer won Region Eight Quad A over Morgan Vaden, 
uh, of St. Pius, and uh, everyone I've heard from said that she looked very strong. She's a freshman, I believe, and she's just kind of figuring things out still and starting to click. I didn't even find any track results for her. So really a, a potential to be a, a good low stick for Coney County there. Moving into third, I'm predicting that we see Blessed Trinity, led by Coach Johnson. The Titans have a, a really tough runner up front in Hannah Minuti. And Blessed Trinity has been probably the best team to not win a state championship for the last five or six years. And it's because of the classification that they're in. And uh, certainly, I would go out on a limb and say that Blessed Trinity could win a state championship in any classification, um, except maybe I want to see them race against McIntosh. Um, but this year, it's, it's, it's just probably not going to happen with the likes of Marist and St. Pius in front of them. Um, you know, they have, once again, a super tough top three. They ran really strong at their region meet, uh, but they need their four and five to close that gap up and, and improve their pack running. Uh, but you got to feel for the Titans in terms of having to face this competition in year in, year out. But that's what makes you stronger and that's what makes you better. Yeah, absolutely. It's deep. So here is what I consider to be the race of the meet, both for Friday and Saturday, Marist versus St. Pius. And in full disclosure, I spent 13 years coaching at Marist and I have to put that out there so no one calls me out for favoritism. Uh, but I would say, you know, when you look at St. Pius, their top three is second to none. And I would argue that their one, two, three is perhaps the best or second best one, two, three in the history of Georgia. Um, but they're very young at four and five, and there's not much behind them. So if anyone in their four and five were to falter, that would be a, a real hurt for them. Um, and going into a state meet, you know, that's sometimes a concern, but they have been super consistent again. Uh, and they have never shown any weakness. They just need their four and five to be able to move up to support that one through three. And then you look at, at Marist, as I said, six girls under 19, that's never happened before. Uh, they have a pack that's as best as ever been in terms of what their spread is at that pace. But if they want to beat St. Pius, they're going to have to put at least five in front of St. Pius's number four, potentially six, and really would need six uh, or seven in front of St. Pius's number five. That is not something to laugh at. That is a tall order at a state meet, especially when you're looking at the quality of running coming out of Pius's four and five. Uh, but my prediction uh, is that Marist War Eagles will pull off their, their 12th in a row uh, over St. Pius, led by Coach Matt McMurray and individual runner Kathleen Shellman and Coach McClay, his first year at the helm of the girls program at St. Pius. And they're led by Morgan Vaden individually. Uh, will bring home the runners-up trophy. And it's, it's really incredible what we're going to see in this foray. It's going to take placing all five girls in the top 15 top 20 in order to get that win which is just it's just incredible that they're able to place that many people up front and that's what it's going to take to win yeah when you look at this if you look at the top 17 people in the virtual meet 15 of them are between Marist, Pius, and Blessed Trinity uh, and I know virtual meets don't tell the entire story, but that is pretty remarkable. And in fact, when you throw a Coney County into the mix, the top 23 girls in the virtual meet are from those four schools. So very top heavy programs here, and that's gonna make the team scores much lower. And with these tiny team scores, one place difference is gonna matter because the displacers from the other schools that we're gonna see in some of these other classifications. So my prediction is I think you're going to see two of the lowest team averages in Georgia history coming out of this in the same race. It's going to really be a great way to kick things off. 
And I think this team race may only be trumped by the individual race and the girls 4A. Uh, and I will go ahead and say that I think fifth place for the girls individuals is going to be Emily Little. She had a great region race, uh, running Hannah Minuity to the line from Blessed Trinity. She was a Battle of Atlanta champ. She had a strong race at Wingfoot. And if she has a controlled first lap, she's got a great shot at being on that podium. Beyond this, as you move into the top four, I'm looking at Mary Brady of St. Pius to be fourth place. Very consistent, very predictable. Huge performance at Coach Wood, breaking 18 minutes. Her track PRs don't tell her story because she has improved so much. You know, this is a, a girl that would be contending for state championships in most other classes. And here she's likely to be, you know, third or fourth place. I predict in third place, Kathleen Shellman of Marist School. She's beaten Brady before several times this year. She's peaked when it counts. Uh, last year, she did uh, have an unknown sort of illness take her out, so she did not run state last year. But, you know, she's 1103-3200. She is strong. She's been consistent, low 18 runner. Um, definitely has a great shot. But one of the best individual races, Morgan Vaden and Hannah Miniuti. And uh, Morgan Vaden of St. Pius, incredibly tough. Loves a fast race. Huge win at Coach Wood, 1743. Um, you know, a performance we had not seen in quite some time, but likely a little bit unproven on hills. You know, St. Pius ran a lot of fast courses this year. You know, can she handle what's what Carrollton has to offer? And when you consider a race that went out really, really fast that first mile, you know, is she susceptible to a kick? And if anyone has a kick, it's Hannah Minuti of Blessed Trinity. You know, wingfoot champion, 503 miler. And I saw her run down Emily Little in that Region 7 Quad A race. And uh, I believe the two of them are going to go to the line. And I think Hannah Minuti is going to pull off the sprint finish uh, coming down that hill in Carrollton. And uh, I think Hannah Minuti will be your uh, state champion in uh, Class 4A predicting a uh, repeat of, of Wingfoot, right? I, I am. I think the two of them are going to break away with probably about uh, you know, 400 meters to go. And then uh, Miniuti, just in the last moments, just turns on the wheels and, and carries it home. Yeah, that's going to be an exciting race. I mean, those two ladies at, at Wingfoot, when they went heads up there, they they were nowhere near inside at the two mile. And all of a sudden, you see them just gaining on the front pack, working together as a team. And then Minuti just taking off in the last 200 meters, clearly... T- breaking away from Vaden so I, I don't disagree that her kick is gonna is gonna be a factor in that especially with that long downhill right at the finish at Carrollton we could see a sprint finish for this race yeah I mean Vaden has run faster about 15 seconds faster over 5k so if Vaden can pull away early there's a good shot that she might be able to hold off Miniuti so what is that strategy she's going to use there is she going to try to push the pace really early on I don't know uh, Miniuti though is definitely going to try to stay in contention I think and, and sprint to victory we've seen that strategy pay off and we've seen it also backfire for those people who take that race out fast at first lap coming around to that second lap with that that big hill right by the finish it's struggled and it's killed some races it really has and and if you're in oxygen debt and you sort of going past the red line at that moment what do you have left and it comes down to some of those fast twitch folks there so i, I think it's going to be interesting and I, I can't wait to watch both the team race and the individual race and those 4a girls from the Powerade All-Metro Banquets to the Wingfoot Night of Champions All-Star Track and Field Meet, Atlanta Track Club supports and encourages high school athletes year-round. Visit atlantatrackclub.org to learn more about our high school initiatives, including a new partnership with Atlanta Public Schools, the Wingfoot Cross-Country Classic, Atlanta Track Club Cross-Country Camp, All-Comers Track and Field Meets, and more. 
All right, we're moving on to the next set of races. We got the 6A boys and girls. I'm going to mix it up a little bit, and we're going to look at the top individuals for 6A. We're looking at the boys, arguably the number two, definitely top three runner in state of Georgia. From Harrison, we've got Sully Shelton, the junior from Harrison, winner at Cobb County. He was runner-up at Wingfoot right behind Justin Walkdale in that epic sprint. Those two guys just went out. He had a very strong win at Coachwood. He was sixth place only behind Graham Blanks at Great American. And he's coming back off of fourth place at state last year. And then he was also the state champion in 6A in the mile and the 3200. He's a 410, 914 guy. The only question with him is he's run predominantly quick courses all year. He hasn't been tested on any any sort of difficult hilly courses. So we could see him falter a little bit, but at this point, it seems to be the race is his. Everyone else in this competition hasn't come close to where he's at. So we're looking at him potentially leading. If we start looking at who's going to take the next spots, that's where we start to see a lot of interesting things. We've got a pair from Pope High School. Uh, We've got Cole Heron and, and William Brown. Those two have worked together at a handful of different races. All of these guys are going to be mixing it up in the top five. We've got Sam Rich from Lakeside Evans. We've got Jonathan Green, another guy from Evans, all mixing it up to try and take that top spot. These guys have competed all together. They all actually ran at Wingfoot, so we've got a really strong measuring stick for where those guys would land. My pick, if I were to go for second through fifth, I think Cole Heron will be taking the second place spot over Sam Rich, who's in, in third. He's had a strong performance at Wingfoot, placed fifth over those other guys. He has a PR of 1510 from Coach Wood. It really gives him a strong resume to take that second place spot. Behind him, as I said, Sam Rich. He ran 1517 at Great American, which was a solid performance for him. He finished behind Heron twice at Coach Wood and as well as Wingfoot. They were really close, but I think that Heron, with his teammate William Brown not too far behind, is going to make that leap and take that spot ahead. Jonathan Green, he's been racing a little bit more on his own. Uh, he was at Wingfoot, but they were in the Varsity A race. He ran away with that race, running 15.52, totally different conditions. It was a little bit warmer that following Saturday morning, but he hasn't been super contested all year. He went to ASICs where he ran 15.24. Um, I think he's going to take that fourth place spot in that top five where he's really going to get pushed by those guys up in front of him. And I think rounding up the top five is going to be William Brown from Pope. He's had a solid season, and I think that Pope coming in trying to win that state title, he's going to move forward and push that ahead. From there, I think we've got a handful of other things. Ben Butcher of of Decula High School, he got second place at Gwinnett County behind Miles Collins, who went out and set a course record there. So he was all by himself. So leading the chase pack of that is Ben Butcher. He hasn't really raced anywhere this season. We, we haven't seen him pushed by anywhere else. He's won most of his races, and, and we'll see. Once he's with these top guys, where is he going to land after being pushed at Gwinnett County? I think he's gonna, he might be there right in that top five. I think you're spot on in the way you're looking at this right now. I mean, Sully Shelton has defeated all these guys, undefeated in 6A. Uh, he's got everyone's number. But as you noted, you can't sleep on Pope. I mean, that Cole Heron has been within striking distance at places like Coach Wood and at Wingfoot. And things are different when you don't have that pack pulling it out. Sully's going to have to pull that pack out himself. So he's been able to defeat these competitors when the race has been fast and he has been able to be with other folks, essentially already separating himself beforehand. So what happens when, you know, the sole thing that Cole Heron has to do is key off of Sully Shelton 
it might be a different outcome. And I think what's interesting too is when you look at Cole Heron and Pope, they have run a variety of courses, not just fast courses. So when you look at their average for the season, you know, Cole Heron's uh, average is 16-14, but this is a guy who ran 15-10 at Coach Wood. So certainly he's got the wheels to be able to run with some of these faster folks. I like your call on uh, Jonathan Green from Evans, you know, having won that race at Wingfoot with no competition, you know, what happens when he is in the 6A state championship. And maybe, you know, ASICs, you know, when he was, you know, 50 seconds out of the win at ASICs, but, you know, this is different than just going to an invitational. There's a state championship on the line. So I, I think you're right in that Jonathan Green is going to be in the in the thick of things there. And I love the Sam Rich call. Uh, you know, Lakeside Evans has produced tons of great individuals. Uh, and undoubtedly, you're going to see him sticking his nose in this as far as he can. He's been a, a competitor really since uh, Battle of Atlanta, I think, earlier this year. He's been really out in front doing great things. So I think it's a great race. I think Sully takes it away. He is the total pack. As you said, he's got the best mile PR in the entire state, uh, and he's got the strength uh, regardless of the course. So I think Shelton for the win and Heron for the runner-up. It's going to be exciting. Those two guys that you just mentioned are really going to be the front runners for this team, this team competition. Arguably, this on top of the 4A girls, this might be some of the closest competition as well on the guy side for 6A. Harrison, Pope, Cambridge, Alpharetta, and Alexander are kind of your top five teams um, that we're looking at for 6A. If I were to place those five, I think Alexander probably takes that fifth place spot just shy of being on the podium. They've got a strong, tight, close pack, but that pack is just a little bit further back than who is going to take the uh, the fourth place spot. I think right before that, if we do see a big day from, from their fifth runners, they could swing in and get that podium spot. But I think that podium spot, that last fourth place spot is going to be to Alpharetta. See, that's something that's interesting is while that last fourth or fifth runner can push a team back off the podium, it also means there's so much more room for improvement. You know, when you look at a team like, say, Harrison, and I won't go into too many details now, but, you know, there's not many places for them to move forward. But a school like Alexander or a school like Alpharetta, some of those runners can pick up 5, 10, even sometimes 20 spots and totally change the nature of this team race. But a good call with uh, Coach Robinson's Cougars and, and Coach Melissa's uh, Raiders and the, the five and four spots. Yeah, it's going to be that same thing for that second and third place spot. I think when we've got those, we've got both Cambridge, Harrison, and Pope all have a pretty strong front runner. These guys are no strangers to the podium at the state meet. We've got Cambridge, who's been in the top three the last three years. Pope, who's been in the top three or four as well. Um, Harrison has been up there um, as well, not as far up as those other two. But uh, if I'm going to take a pick, I'd, I'd put Cambridge with uh, Coach Brad Coulter in that third place spot. They really don't have as strong of that front runner that, that Pope and Harrison both have. And I think that that's going to be difficult because those front runners in this race are, are pretty solid. It's going to be very difficult to make up that ground on the front end for that. They have a really tight pack with three and five. And they've been on the podium before, they're experienced for a state, and they're good to get themselves set up. I just don't think that they can over- overcome the low sticks that Harrison and Pope both have. Yeah, it puts them at a disadvantage to a school like Pope, but it gives them an advantage over a school like Alpharetta or Alexander at this time. So it is the nature of the beast, but you know, Cambridge was 2017 state champions, you know, so they know how to get it done. Absolutely, and in that race, they came out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting them to take that title. I know that that's fresh in in Pope's mind because they were were upset that year and lost to Cambridge. 
I think we know that Harrison has had a dominant performance over Pope through this year. They had a 70-point margin of victory over Pope at Wingfoot. They are undefeated against Georgia competition this year, and they're arguably the best boys team in the state. They did place third at Coachwood, but that was behind teams outside of Georgia. I think handily Harrison is going to take this spot. Now, Pope does have the outside chance that they could unseat them because they have that strong one-two punch of, of Brown and Heron. And then the other Heron, Casey Heron, their third runner, has plenty of room to be able to move up. The weakness really lies in their four and five. If those four and five, they, as you mentioned before, they have a ton of potential to drop major points in this race. So if we see those guys move forward, we could see Harrison get unseated in the state meet those points might, may or may not be easy to pick up, but with that title on the line, you never know what we're going to see. Well, what's interesting, though, is a state meet is not Wingfoot. You know, at Wingfoot, you're going to have the number one, number two, number three runners of 30 schools all pushing those four and five guys back. But you get to a, a state championship like this, you pull those schools out, and all of a sudden, that 70-point margin of victory that the Hoyas had over the Greyhounds, you're looking at... 25 points you know it's a significant change when you pull out those other schools and then all of a sudden it's really just sometimes a 15 or 20 second difference with some of those people in the back of the pack right so you got two guys in the back moving up that's double the points every single one that they get exactly so and i think you know harrison's one two three is very strong pope's one two three is very strong they line up very well so those four and fives will be the differentiators here and i think that it's going to make for an exciting time especially with pope for once being the underdog you know there's an energy that comes with being the hunter and not the hunted um, you can run aggressively as opposed to having to run defensively I don't know which Harrison will show up is it going to be the one that's running to not lose or is it going to be the Harrison that's running to win you know those are very different attitudes that they'd be bringing to the course that day it's a similar story on the girls side these are some of the best runners in the state as well. It's not as deep as we saw on the girls' 4A side, but the 6A girls are still are still bringing it. So you've got some of your usual suspects who've been in the front for a while. I'm going to name my top five. I think in fifth place, we're going to see a South Georgia runner in, in Kayla Goller from, from Richmond Hill. Um, Coach Seibert down there has been working with her for a while. They, they've been making the trip up to, to Wingfoot, and she actually won the Varsity A race. And... Is, has had a pretty stellar season. She knows how to mix it up. She knows how to lead from the front. So we shall see from there. Next, if I were to pick, it would be Ashley Secrest from Cambridge. She has had a pretty solid season, just not quite as strong as the as the three girls who I have placed ahead of her. She was on the state championship team, um, so she knows what pressure there is to be up front, to be able to lead that team to the win. So I think she, she's going to do a good job of, of leading that team and take the top five spot. This one, I think, is going to be a little bit of a, of a mix-up, but I'm taking Katie Earwood of Evans High School to take third place. She had a very strong showing at Wingfoot. She's region champ. She's having a very solid year, and I think that she's running with something to prove. Kayla got her at Wingfoot, but I, I think that she's got a lot of motivation and is kind of my dark horse to take a top three spot. Now we're, we're looking at the top two. The top two here, ironically, both McKenna's. Now which one are we going to take? Which one are we going to see? We've got McKenna Gates. She was the two-time defending state champion. She's always turns up for this race, and she has done an incredible job her freshman and sophomore years at this race. She's a triathlete, so she's training all the sports, and she's constantly pushing. She's got a season best of 1757 at Warpath. 
Creekview hasn't gone to any really of these big invitationals. Warpath's kind of the biggest invitational that we've gone where we've seen that she was tested. She ran really well there. And then we're also looking at McKenna Croft from Douglas County. She was a state runner up in 2017 and she only lost to McKenna Trapigan at ASICS, who's arguably one of the other top girls in the state. So if, if I were to choose between the two, I think I'd have to pick McKenna Croft. I think she's got a chip on her shoulder. She's been state runner up. She's been in the top three. I think she's got something to prove against McKenna Gates. I love the fact that so many of these runners are not from the metro area. I mean, outside of Ashley from Cambridge, we have mostly schools that are into the next round of counties or beyond. And I think that, you know, McKenna Croft, as you said, has something to prove. I think people were questioning some of her times early on when she was running really fast last year. And then she came out and she proved everybody wrong, that she was the real deal. So super strong runner. And I think she's got a great shot this year. Uh, Gates, I'm wondering if she had an injury or something this year as she hasn't raced since late September till the region meet. And she had about a month that she was missing, but she has the talent and she has the experience to contest with anybody. But I'm going to come out of, uh, I'm going to come out on the line and I'm going to ask and say that Kayla Galar will be your state champion from Richmond Hill. I'm a believer. I saw her run away in that uh, wing foot race. She won her region race by over two minutes in a new PR of 18-12 when most of the other girls are running 20, 21, 22 minutes. We saw this last year in the 6A race uh, when uh, Richmond Hill had the individual state champion on the boys' side, and no one saw that coming. So I'm going to be the person that calls Kayla the 6A state champion right now. She's got some real wheels on her, too. When you look at her PRs, she's run 214. She's run um, 506 in the 1600. You know, total package when you consider a 214, 18, 12 girl. And uh, like you said, she's been untested, so how fast? will she run when she lines up against Croft and when she lines up against Gates and Earwood and Secrest and all these others. So lots of exciting things there. And you didn't mention Riley Perlikowski. I want to mention her as, you know, helping the Hoyas as well. She's got a great shot of being out there on the podium uh, and a medicine Kennedy of Evans as well. So lots happening here in this girls 6A race. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. That's an incredible call if Kayla does take that title. There's no reason why she couldn't do it. She also placed second at Battle of Atlanta, which was another time that she was tested. But since then, she's won everything else that she's been put into. So can't fault you for coming up with that. I'm not sure it'll happen, but we, I guess we'll see. And that's why we're... You'll owe me a Powerade. Ooh, I think that's... <laughs> we can definitely do that. So you mentioned Perlikowski leading Harrison in the in the team race. And I mentioned Ashley Seacrest potentially leading the Cambridge Bears team race. As we look at the team race, if we're looking at the top five, this is also going to be relatively close when we're looking at this. We've got Alatuna potentially taking the fifth place spot. They've been consistent throughout. They've got a tight pack. They just don't really have any front runner pulling them along. We've talked about a tight pack being important in these championship type fields um, where really that pack moves, you get exponentially less and less points. So I think that that pack is going to benefit them, putting them in the fifth place spot. Now, I think this next one, I think Pope High School is going to take the fourth place spot. If you're looking at the virtual preview, they look like they're a good bit behind taking that fifth place on the season average, but they've performed well. They've beat Alatoon at Battle of Atlanta. They beat him at Cobb County. They beat Cambridge at, at Warpath. So they've had those strong performances. Not sure which Pope will show up, but I think that they're going to take that fourth place spot um, since they have been a little bit inconsistent. We'll see which Greyhounds team 
shows up at state. Yeah, and it's something that separates them from a, a team like Alatuna at this point, as you said, is a front runner. You know, Alatuna is spotting almost every other school about 10 points on their number one runner. Uh, and that's a big difference maker when it comes down to these podium spots. But in both cases, if that pack moves forward, they're going to be dropping a lot of points and they have the potential to, to move up those ranks and, and threaten some of these other schools. Next one, I think rounding out third place, I think is going to be Creekview High School. They haven't really been tested. They've run a good bit of faster courses. I think with McKenna Gates really leading the charge up front, that's going to take them out. It's going to come down to their next four having solid days. Um, but that spread between them is oftentimes less than 30 seconds. It's, it's really tough to beat that tight of a pack, especially if they're moved up a little bit. Um, so I think that that pack is really going to benefit them in this race. Yeah, anyone looking at their virtual meet will say, oh no, they have a two and a half minute spread. Well, not really when you consider how far out in front Gates is. It's really coming down to where that two through five is. And that is super tight, really with uh, the likelihood of their three, four, and five finishing you know, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, so they have a lot of potential there to move up and to compete. Right, so that, that pack is the same. So what we're looking at also for first and second place, these two teams are pretty similar in their makeup. Cambridge, on one hand, has a much stronger one-two punch with with Secrest and Anna Filipek up at the front. Those two girls should be in the top six, top eight, um, taking out quite a few points down for them. And then their tight three to five is not too far off that lead pack. If those ladies move up, they could take the title. Um, So we'll see. They had a really strong performance at ASICS, getting second place. But led by Perlikowski, I think Harrison High School is going to take it. And I think that they're going to end up taking the, both the boys and the girls' side of 6A, similar to what Cambridge did two years ago. They've just got the low stick in Perlikowski who has the opportunity to make a top five bid. And then that two through five, again, it's the same thing that I mentioned about Creekview with that two through five being within 30 seconds of each other. That pack is just further up than Pope's was. And I think that that's going to be a real strength for Harrison to make that out. And I think it's what makes this race so intriguing compared to what we saw with, say, the 4A race, where he had two very different schools in Marist's makeup and Pius's makeup. Here, Harrison and Cambridge have much more in common and some subtle differences in their one-two, but they really are going to be racing the same way. Uh, I think what's going to be intriguing when we look at Cambridge more deeply is that they've run mostly fast courses this year. Blastow, Warpath, Wingfoot, uh, Asics. But they did run Carrollton Orthopedic, uh, so they've been on the course for state. But how do you transition from speed to strength and your attitude? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting thing psychologically to see play out uh, between these two schools. But I think you've made some good calls. I think Harrison Hoyas sweeping uh, Class 6A is a great bet. Uh, and I'm not willing to risk a power rate on that one. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we've got the last two races on Friday. We're looking at the 5A championships. We're looking at the boys first. So we'll take a look at the individuals who are coming up. The championship should be a tight race between the Decatur Bulldogs and the Carrollton Trojans. There's a Decatur duo who's going to be up front in that top five that hasn't moved around, that hasn't beaten the Carrollton's low stick in Colin Jones. So there's a strong group of five. I'm going to list them out, and then we're going to go through and look at who we think and where they're going to land. So we've got Bram Mansbach of Grady High School. He's a senior down there. He was the APS City Championships running 17-18 
practically by himself. I know that we were both there when that happened and it was just impressive because if you haven't been to Grand Park, you know a little bit about that course. Yeah, it's, it's a brutal course when you look at it and it's uh, three loops of just up and down the whole time with rough footing and uh, man's back ran 30 seconds off the course record. I know that sounds like a long way, but that course record's held by Zane Coburn, who was one of the toughest runners of the mid 2000s to go through the state of Georgia. And this performance is noteworthy. Uh, it's one of the fastest runs that we've seen at Grant Park uh, in the past 10 years. Uh, so really, really tough course. And if you can run 17, 18 at Grant Park, you have a great shot at running 17 flat or under at Carrollton. And I think that put man's back right there in the hunt. And when you consider that he really hasn't raced people who are faster than him, you know, he had he ran and won at Aubrey Gunderson. Uh, he's been, uh, he's raced at uh, Pickens course a couple of times. Um, but outside of that, he hasn't had someone to pull him along. And I think that puts him in a position to be an underdog, to be that dark horse, to make it onto the podium and to represent there for the likes of uh, Atlanta Public Schools. So I predict that he's going to be in the mix and uh, Coach Kramer is going to have him run a smart race. And uh, I think fifth place is a, a great spot for Bram. And you mentioned that performance at Pickens County. Just so we, since Grady doesn't go to a lot of the bigger competitions, they went to that Pickens course earlier that season. Pope High School and a few other big schools went there and competed. He ran about 15 seconds faster than they did on that course earlier in the season. So to me, that that gives you a little bit of a measuring stick as to where his fitness is and what those times mean. He also was at Aubrey Gunderson where he ran on challenge winning by by 25 seconds. And this is why the virtual meet doesn't tell the whole story of what we have going on here in Carrollton and why you guys got to get out there to watch these races uh, because you're going to see folks who you don't see on mile split contending uh, for trophies and for medals. So moving on to fourth place, this is kind of my dark horse. He hasn't had the strongest season yet, but I think he's probably going to take the fourth place, potentially the third place spot. It's Dominic Macias. He's of Union Grove. He's always a force at the state meet. He's been several top five performances at state. Last year, he was this defending state champion. He's a 153, 800 meter guy, and he knows how to race and sticks with that front group and then makes that move towards the end. I think that he is a very strong candidate to potentially take a higher spot than this, but because of a little bit of inconsistencies this season, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for him to take over the one of the top three spots. How, how do you call the defending state champion and a 153 half miler an underdog or a dark horse? I, I can't see that. I, I think he is going to be at the front and he's going to be in the thick of things from the beginning. And he's someone that everyone already knows about and everyone is aware of. Uh, he's the real deal. And like you said, he's been inconsistent a little bit this year, but he's always gotten it done at state. I think it's, it's more that we haven't seen a whole lot from him this year. He hasn't been as up there we haven't seen a top performance from him throughout this season so in terms of the season he's not front and center so I, it's, it's possible he could he could be there it's probably not a favorite position but i think i think he'd probably not be able to take that one of those top three spots you know he did win the henry county championship he was the region champ he did win his race at Carrollton orthopedic uh i think this is a guy who uh that most folks are aware of when he had that uh, a bad day at Alexander Asics. So I, I think he's certainly up there, but then again, it's hard to root against the likes of Christian Gonzalez or Colin Jones and others. And that's what makes this classification so exciting. Right. And the next three guys, it's, it's no knock on Dominic. The next three guys have just had a strong, relatively strong body of work. In third place, I've got to pick Tess Faye of Loganville. 
He's had a strong performance. He ran 16-13 at Aubrey Gunnarsson, which would have put him in second place in Gwinnett County. Not about 30 seconds behind Miles Collins, but that put him ahead of all those other guys over in, in Gwinnett County. Other than that, he hasn't had a, a super complicated uh, season where he's been tested. I think he's going to show up and show out and get a top three spot. So looking back at the next top three guys, I think it's, it's going to be a toss-up between these three. Um, we've got Colin Jones of Carrollton. We've got Christian Gonzalez of Decatur and Owen McNally of Decatur. Now, these two guys from Decatur have run a lot of fast courses. They ran really well at ASICs, dropping some very quick times. These two guys have been trading spots all year. Christian will win one race. Owen will win the next. Spent some time with these guys over the summer. They are dedicated runners. Um, met them at the Atlanta Track Club cross-country camp, and they, they're dedicated. They are leading their team to a potentially a 5A state title. I just don't know that they have what it takes to unseat Colin Jones. Colin Jones has had a really strong year. He got top 10 at Wingfoot, which is arguably one of the deepest fields in the state. He did have a little bit of a, a misstep at Coachwood, but the rest of the year was really top performances with the season best ending at 15.35. Not to mention, that's his home course. He runs those hills. He runs that course all the time and he'll have crowd support and he's he's got to defend his home turf. I think that there's a ton of value to that and I think he's going to be running to represent his school, represent his city, and I think he's going to take the first spot. Now, I think Gonzalez and Owen, I'm not sure who's going to take that top spot. What are your thoughts? You know, this is closer than I think a lot of people think because Jones has run away with a lot of performances. But if you go all the way back to Carrollton Orthopedic, Jones ran 16.29, Gonzalez ran 16.35. I mean, those are both stellar times on that course. And that's really close. Uh, both really haven't seen each other since then. Uh, so to bring them all back together, you know, there's a, an interesting play there. But I will always give credence to home turf advantage. Uh, having run on difficult courses, you know, on Marist campus for a long time, you know those hills like the back of your hand. You know when to push. You know when to relax. And you know what to avoid. And uh, I think when you consider that, Jones has a, a real advantage. Given that both Gonzalez and McNally are going to make a difference in the team hunt, you know, it may make sense for them to, to hold back a bit because they don't want to blow up and lose a couple spots by going out hard or challenging Jones early on and putting some punches into there as they're, you know, dueling it out in that second lap. It may make sense for them to be a, a smidge more conservative and to try to just score second and third to try to ensure a Decatur victory. So Jones, you know, with a team that's not uh, fighting to win the team title, it puts him in a spot where he can take more risks. And taking risks on your home course, uh, I think he's got it. I think you see him separate um, right around the playground on that second lap and run away to about a 10 or 15 second victory. Yeah, and and, and you did bring up a good point. In that team competition, it, it may be worth to forego that win, individual win, to make sure that your team holds a better spot than you potentially falling off and giving away valuable points. And the team competition is close for that top spot. I think there's definitely two teams that are looking for that top position and they're they're relatively close. The next two spots I think are a little bit further back and aren't contesting for that win. So when we're looking at the teams for that podium, I think that there's a lot of good teams here and, and if we're looking at the, the previews, I think that it's going to be a really close battle between Rome High School and Carrollton High School for those two spots. 
there's a lot to be said about a strong team being pulled by the front. With If Colin Jones takes that front spot, um, I think his team's going to be pulling behind him. And then Rome High School has had a pretty solid season. They were third in the varsity race at Coach Wood. They have a low stick with Patrick Motes. It's not quite as strong as Carrollton's low stick. And then they're tight two, three, and four. They are lacking a, a stronger fifth runner, um, but six runners right there who could take a step up. Um, and could swing a lot of points on that side from those runners. And even the front, their number one runner has room to move up as well. So if I were to pick who's going to get third and who's going to get fourth, I think Carrollton's probably going to take the third place spot. And I think Rome High School is going to be taking up that last fourth place spot just because of, I think that there's going to be a lot of momentum from that home field advantage with Jones potentially taking the win and then the rest of the team trying to represent Carrollton and Carrollton City down there. Yeah, with Carrollton having, you know, Coach Jimmy Sorrells out there now, uh, famous for peaking his athletes right, and then what I sort of call the Drew Hunter effect, what happened to Loudoun Valley when Drew Hunter came on, the whole team became better. You see this with Sully Shelton and Harrison, the whole team has gotten better. You're seeing Carrollton rise up there. Uh, but when you look at the two of these, you know, Rome's three and four, I think, are in a better position than Carrollton's three and four on paper. And I know statistically that the fourth runner is uh, often a, a deciding factor. And uh, I'm going to reverse those two. I, I say Carrollton's on the podium, but I think Rome pulls in third place. It's totally possible. I think that the home field advantage is going to swing that fourth and fifth guy. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, we've got a totally different story for our one and two spots. We've talked about Decatur with their low sticks of Owen McNally and with Christian Gonzalez. They have a very strong one, two, three. Those guys are all up front. They're going to be all within the top 10 or so. They are lacking a little bit of depth on the four and five um, when comparing it to Stars Mill High School. We'll see where that goes. The Decatur High School has performed well close behind powerhouses of 7A at Battle of Atlanta, A6, Ortho, and they were always the top non-7A team at those meets, so the top 5A team. Stars Mill, they have a totally different makeup for their team. It's it's a tight one through five. They don't have as strong of a low stick as Decatur does, but those guys are all within 30, 40 seconds of each other, led by Joseph Mozilla, who's potentially looking for a podium spot. If those guys all move up together, I think that they're going to take the win over Decatur High School, who has proven to be very strong, but I think that with this race and with a tight pack being very valuable that Stars Mill is potentially going to eat that spot over Decatur. Yeah, this is a different Stars Mill team than we've seen the past couple of years with them lacking a true front runner. They've always had someone seem to be contending for the individual title. This year, they are a pack team. And it's the right year to be a pack team because they're able to put, like I said, probably about five guys in the top 15, the top 20 at least, to give them some low points. Their top runners are not close to Decatur's top runners, but they're going to have five in in front of Decatur's four uh, any day of the week, it looks like, and going to make it a real really interesting thing. But this Decatur effect, they're running for a state championship. They know they have three guys that are out front, particularly one and two who are fighting for an individual spot. You know, why not have them cause those four and fives to rise up? You might see a little bit of that happening here. Um, They've been very consistent for the most part, and they've never gone and never shied away from tough competition. So they are sort of battle tested. But I think experience plays out here. And I think that that brings Stars Mill the victory because uh, there's there's just five guys that they can count on week in and week out, and they've proven that throughout the season. And, and one other thing that we need to consider is that Decatur doesn't have a sixth man. 
their sixth man is relatively far off. And if something happens there, we're going to struggle. Stars Mill has that depth. They have the sixth man not too far off and their seventh man is also right there. So if it comes down to a tiebreaker, if it's that close or, or vice versa, the depth might play a factor there. Absolutely. Stars Mill might put six in front of Decatur's four, um, depending on the day of the week. So it's an interesting thing to look at. But when you're averaging 29 seconds for your split at Stars Mill uh, on this course, on this day, I I think that gives them a huge advantage over the front-loaded Decatur team this weekend. As exciting as that 5A race is going to be, we're looking at something similar for the girls. We keep looking at these races, and I keep trying to say that we've looked at already the the best girls in the state, and here we are at another classification we've got another one who in any given year could be the best runner in the state so we're looking at the 5a girls we should have some clear separation from the top two runners in this classification i'm going to start from my fifth prediction i think in fifth place is going to be our young runner from union grove in gabby parsons she last year came seemingly out of nowhere to to take a a top podium position in the state meet she was a state runner-up last year Coach Doherty down in Union Grove knows how to peak his kids. He has Dominic, who's who's performed very well at the state meet, and Gabby also performed really well. So I think that she's gonna should be in the and definitely in the top five. In fourth place, I've placed uh, Lainey Doster from Jones County, the Greyhounds junior. She's somewhat inconsistent, but she's her and Riley Evans, who I've placed in third place, have been back and forth this season. I think Lainey's been a little bit more inconsistent. And I think that's gonna that's gonna play out, and Riley Evans is gonna get the nod and put her in in third place. Riley's a young runner; she's a sophomore from Woodland, and she was top five at Wingfoot, top ten at A6. She's got a season best of 18:24. I think we could see a, a big day from her that that puts her in that top three. I think it's even possible she could be in that spot for potentially taking number two spot from who I've put up. Is uh, next we're gonna talk about the top one two. We've got. McKenna Trapigan and Mackenzie Walls of veterans. Um, Trapigan has had a solid season. We had a little bit of a, a blip at Wingfoot, but that's explained. We talked about earlier about races going out super fast. That race at, at Wingfoot went out super fast. Her and Samantha Rogers at Auburn. I can't remember what that first mile split was, but they came through in around 528, if I recall, and then they hit 1118 or 1119 for the two mile. Uh, it was one of the fastest races I have seen in in Georgia uh, in terms of taking it out. And and Trapagan is is fearless. She's not, she's willing to to push the pace, uh, and I think that makes for very exciting races. So if that's the only quote unquote blip in her season, I think she proven with the rest of her races. She got second at at Coachwood that she learned a valuable lesson with how to race at that race. And I think that she's taking that through. And I think that from that, she's going to take the 5A state title over Mackenzie Walls. Walls hasn't beaten Travigan this year, but Walls is also not afraid to be up front. She was third at the state meet last year, but I just think McKenna, um, with her strength and her speed, she's going to come back and win it. Plus, she's trying to repeat as the state champion. I just think that that's that's going to weigh a lot on her, and she's going to she's going to take the leap. Yeah, I think it's neat when you look at all these athletes again. They're mostly outside of the Atlanta metro area. We, I see Cartersville, I see Jones County, you know. And I, when I see that, I love the fact that this sport is spreading uh, throughout all of Georgia. 
you mentioned Laney Doster before, and I think it's really neat to see Jones County having such success in producing strong individual girls, going back to Aaron Leonard. You know, they've been doing some great things down there. But I, I feel like you're forgetting to mention uh, Megan Yuzinski and Kayla Rose of McIntosh, both of whom have floated under the radar for much of this season and undoubtedly will play a role in, in determining the outcome of the team competition. So I think Yuzinski, who has been you know, a low fives miler, um, will put herself in the mix. I don't think um, McIntosh's 1-2 is on the level of Walls and, and uh, Trabigan, but I, I do think certainly she may be up there with Evan and with Parson uh, and uh, Doster as well. So a lot happening there in that girls' individual race uh, that will determine sort of the outcome of that team race as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start looking at that team race, there's a few teams that are, are definitely in it. You've mentioned McIntosh earlier. They're led by Yuzinski and, and by Rose. They're going to be tough to beat just in general. I mean, we've, we've looked at them. They've had a strong series of races this year. And the only time that they didn't win was when they went to Panther Invite and they didn't run everybody. So that, that wasn't their team. So if you're looking at those results, they didn't run everybody. They handily won over Stars Mill as well as Cambridge at Bob Lasto earlier this year. And I just don't see them not taking the title here. Where it gets interesting is the next few spots. For second place, I think it's going to be a battle. Woodland High School comes back as, uh, I believe they won the state championship last year. So they're coming in wanting to win. Stars Mill is also a a strong team. Again, these are two very different teams. Woodland's got that strong one-two punch with Evans and with Trappigan. And then they've got a relatively close pack for three to five. Whereas Stars Mill doesn't have as much of that strong front runner they did have to sit out their number one runner at the region meet nursing an injury. Um, I have heard that she will be running state, but we'll see which, which one she comes back with. With all of that considered with leading front runners of Woodland High School, I think that that's going to take the second place spot for Woodland and Stars Mill is going to be in third place. Behind that, we've got kind of a mix between Union Grove and Riverwood. I'm not sure at the moment who's going to take that fourth spot, but if I had to put something on it, Again, I think there's just something strong about your front runner potentially getting the individual lead and everything rising to the top with that front runner pulling the team along. I think that Union Grove has had, um, they were fourth place in 2018, pulling in a strong podium spot. I think that they're going to be able to put their top three runners in the top 25, um, which is just going to be a little bit stronger than what Riverwood's going to be able to do. But on paper, these two teams are very, very close. So if I've got to put it down, Union Grove, I would take them over over Riverwood. Yeah, Riverwood's weakness lies in their number five. Their one, two, three is as good as almost anybody's. Uh, but I, I think their their fifth, sixth, and seventh is not lining up as well against Union Grove. So Union Grove on the podium, I believe, is the right call. If anyone doubts the strength of McIntosh, the number three team all classifications, I have four words for you, and that is perfect score at region. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And they said the Chiefs have flown under the radar, but everyone knows about him now. Uh, and they've been running really tough. So I don't I don't think anyone can come close to dethroning McIntosh on this day. And I think you're likely to see them have one of the lowest scores uh, of all the different races uh, on the day. 
We want you to be part of Atlanta's Marathon Weekend. Atlanta hosts the best marathoners in the country, vying for a spot on the 2020 Olympic team at the 2020 U.S. Olympic Team Trials Marathon. Put Saturday, February 29th on your calendar to line the streets and cheer. Learn more at Atlanta2020trials.org. So the first race of the day on Saturday morning is going to be single A private boys, and we're expected to have you know, really good weather once again for an outstanding competition. And you know when we look at the team competition, there are quite a few schools that would like to have a say in the outcome here. But uh, I'll come back with what I think my top five are. And uh, sneaking into fifth place, I have Strong Rock Christian, led by Coach Julie Banks. Um, It's a chance for the Patriots really to prove themselves for the very first time. They're kind of stuck in no man's land, though, when you consider the strength of the top four programs and some of the programs behind them. They have a really solid, consistent one through three, uh, particularly led by Hank Gwinnade, but they're not quite there when you compare them against a Holy Innocence or others. And their four, five, six, seven could be a real struggle for them, as they could get buried if there's a deep field at Carrollton, depending on how the, the races play out. But strong Rocks 1-2-3 I think is going to be enough to get them to sneak into fifth place. My pick for fourth place is going to be the uh, Paideia Pythons uh, and their top runner is Elijah McCauley and uh, I think on a really good day they have a great shot at getting third and I think they believe they can get third. Uh, their 1-3 to three is, is truly a fantastic 1-3 to three, but like Strong Rock they need the second half of their squad to try to step up if they're going to fight for the larger trophies. Now this race up front for first, second, and third is really a three-way battle, as I've seen successes from all of them this year, and I predict that Wesleyan is going to pull down third place. Uh, Coach McDaniel's Wolves have been very consistent over their years. Their top runner, uh, Mac Howie, is very strong. Uh, in fact, their one-two is as good as anyone else's in the field, uh, but it's going to be their three, and f- three, four, and five that determine things. And if the fourth and fifth move up five to ten slots over the course of this race, then you're looking at a Wesleyan team that could bring home first place. Now, the two favorite teams in this are likely to be Holy Innocence and uh, Landmark Christian School. And both of them are great up front, great up front. When you look at Holy Innocence, their one-two is phenomenal with likely to have two guys in the top eight. Landmark Christian's one-two is two guys in the top 13. Um, but then we start to see how they line up. And man-to-man, you know, you have Holy Innocence one slot behind the number one. You see Holy Innocence a little bit in front of Landmark at number two. Holy Innocence a little bit in front at number three, but then Holy Innocence behind at number four. And then almost even at number five. So it's going to come down to really where they line up, as if this was almost like a dual meet to see who can bring this home. You know, so with Holy Innocence uh, led by Joseph, Sapone, uh, Landmark Christians led by Zach Truitt. Both these guys are likely to be in the top four of the overall race. It's going to be really intriguing to see how they set the tone for the rest of the teams. My prediction, though, is uh, I believe Holy Innocence, with a really strong number six runner, is going to be able to uh, bring down the victory for the first time. And you're going to see the uh, Golden Bears toting the first place trophy at Carrollton on Saturday. Now, one question I think we have to look at this is, you know, Landmark Christian 
has a new coach. For the first time in, in decades, they don't have Coach Thorne at the top. Uh, Mark Caulfield has taken over, and uh, I'm not sure if this is you know a new start, and that means that Landmark Christian can overperform, you know, trying to impress their coach, or is this uh, something that could hold them back, not having that same routine and the same presence at all of their meets? But I believe that Holy Innocence is strong enough to to overcome whatever Landmark happens to throw at them. And there is a lot to be said. I'm, I'm not sure that I would make that same call. There's a lot of history behind Landmark Christian winning the boys' title out of nowhere. Sometimes they've been ranked in the top five, and then they come out of nowhere and pull in and get that win. Every year, they're able to pull together a squad, whether it's on the girl side or the guy side. There's just a lot of history on the Landmark Christian boys to be able to take that top spot. I think that their three, four, and five could step up and get a good bit of those points, especially when they're looking at Holy Innocence. And it'll be interesting to see where Wesleyan's 3, 4, and 5 end up breaking up those points, sending some of those other people back. Um, and I, th- I think the War Eagles might be able to take down the Golden Bears for that top spot. Yeah, I mean, Wesleyan is a defending state champion. So, I mean, they have a lot to, to prove here. And Landmark has won state three out of the last six years. Holy Innocence has not won a cross-country state championship. And that may make them hungry, but it also might make you a little bit nervous. So, it's interesting to see how Coach J. Raj happens to sort of balance the uh, energy of his team there on race day. But uh, well, either way, it's going to be an exciting way to start off. And I also think the single A private is going to bring us the most exciting individual boys race of the day. And uh, this is one I know I'm looking forward to. And this is going to be the battle between the likes of Graham Blanks, Devin Wade, Zach Truitt, and Mac Howie. A really, really exciting prospect here. And uh, if I were to go ahead and you know, start making some picks, I'm going to put Joe Sapone in fifth place on the podium, representing Holy Innocence as, one, or as their top runner. This kid is a freshman, and he keeps getting better all year long. He's run 435 and 10.08 on the track this fall as part of time trials. And if you go back and look, he just keeps dropping time. And knowing that he's running for his teammates, he's going to perform really well, I believe, on those hills of Carrollton. Now, When you look to this next level, this is an interesting grouping, Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say I believe Zach Truitt is going to finish fourth for Landmark Christian. And, uh, you know, this is uh, a travesty to think that a 4.15 929, 156 guy is not the favorite for a a state championship, but that's just the the depth that we're seeing right now in uh, single-A private boys. Truett loves to push the pace. He's always in the race. You're going to see him from the beginning trying to make it exciting, trying to contest the the event no matter who he's up against. So you know the race is going to be fast. And knowing that he's got 156 wheels, no one's going to want to let him hang around too long. And I think that's why the pace is going to get faster and faster. Now, this is where I think I'm going out on a limb. I'm picking Mac Howie to be third from Wesleyan. He's going to play a real important role in that team race as Wesleyan tries to defend their crown. But again, look at his performances. He ran sub-16 really strong uh, at Great American, sub-16 really strong at Coach Wood. He's just getting stronger as the weeks go by. And I'm predicting that trajectory is going to launch him into third place, uh, perhaps if Truett tries to run with blanks. 
Now, the duel that we're going to have there on those hills of Carrollton is going to be between Blanks and Wade, in my opinion, you know, through most of that second lap. Wade from Whitfield Academy, he's a 421, two flat, 937 guy. Third at Coach Wood against some of the best in the Southeast. He was one of the top runners all season long. And if you look over his, uh, his resume, it's first place after first place after first place. But when you look at Graham Blanks, 42913 guy, his only loss came in August to Miles Collins, who is probably the second or third best runner in the state. You know, this is a guy who was first place at Great American, you know, running essentially the same time that Drew Hunter ran. For me, that makes him number one in Georgia in my mind, other than perhaps Wachtel. And that makes him a threat for nationals. That makes him a threat for fastest time in Carrollton's history. And with him having Truett, Howie, and Wade to push him, I'm going to predict that Blanks not only brings home the victory for Athens Academy uh, as an individual, but also that I think he runs the fastest time. Because he would have seen what Wachtel ran the day before, and that challenge would have been thrown down for him. I don't disagree with you. I think that Graham Blanks definitely takes it. That that win at Great American super impressive, and I think that the time might go down as well. Devin Wade was a key instrument into why they ran so fast down at ASICs. He pushed the pace down there as long as with Wachtel also going. So I think that Wade and Blanks are probably going to be pushing the pace the entire way going through. Now, where I disagree with you is I, I don't think there's any way that Matt Howie gets third in this race. Truett has proven that even with races that go out quick, he can still hang in there and take a lead. He outperformed Howie at Great American. They both went in that same race. He went or on the same course, Truett ran 15:22, and Howie barely broke 16 at that course. 30 seconds is not anything small. I think that these top three guys are going to be in a totally separate race than those guys who are fourth and fifth, and Truett's going to be up there with those guys. I don't see any way that he's not going to be involved. I, I will agree with you. If Howie and Sapone get separated from Wade Blanks and Truett, I think Truett wins and takes that third place. I think if somehow Howie and Sapone sort of hang on to that grouping, uh, I, I like the strength of Howie right now. Uh, and this is this is not a knock on Truett. Truett's a phenomenal runner. I'm just high on Howie. Uh, and maybe that's because I, I live in Peachtree Corners right by Wesley in high school. But uh, I think it's going to be a great race any way you look at that. There is a lot to be said about Wesleyan strength, though. The Wesleyan course up there that they train on day in and day out is tough. They removed the big hill a couple of years ago, but there is a lot to be said about that strength. I will give him credit on that side. Yeah, and I think the the men's race or the boys' race is going to set the tone for how the girls are going to run as well on Saturday morning. And if you take a look at this team battle, it's a lot of the same the same schools, but I think there might be some different outcomes here. And uh, if you take a look at the virtual meet, Landmark is the winner. Uh, but let's see what my predictions are. I have for fifth place the Paideia Pythons, led by Luna McCauley. Um, Paideia has got a great one through three, better than a lot of their competitors, including Wesleyan. Um, but their four and six uh, are definitely not as strong as Wesleyan's, heads up. But it means that their four through six has a lot of room to grow, and they can pass a lot of people and drop a lot of points. So I'm, I'm putting Paideia in fifth place, and I'm setting uh, Wesleyan up to be fourth place. Wesleyan has the tightest pack, just 26 places between their first and, and their fifth. And, uh, you know, if every runner passes 
five people over the course of that second lap. Wesleyan is a team that could finish third on the podium. My pick for third, actually, though, is going to be Atlanta International School. And for them, it's all about the number five. Their one-two punch is by far the best in single-A private and would rival a lot of their big school competitors. You know, having the likes of Reagan Mahoney and, and Cara Joyce is a phenomenal group. Their three, four are solid, but their five and seven are way back. Uh, on a good day, I'm not exaggerating, those the number five could gain 40 or 50 places, and that could be a difference maker. And I believe that they will rise to the occasion, and uh, Coach Pasquale's uh, team is going to end up finishing third. My second place and first place battle is going to be between uh, Landmark Christian and Holy Innocence again. Holy Innocence number three or top three are the best one, two, three punch in the class, but their four and five have to pass at least 10 people for them to be able to bring home the state championship. While Landmark has a tradition on that girls front, uh, unlike anyone else in single A private, their top seven is the class of the field. Um, And so they have an insurance policy uh, in a way that other schools do not. Uh, So certainly given the tradition, given the fact that they're likely to have the number one runner in Aaron Fagans, um, I think uh, Landmark Christian will be the team to bring home the victory, but I also think it's going to be closer than a lot of people predicted. Now I'm going to throw a dark horse out there, and that is going to be Athens Academy. And I think Athens Academy is a school that's not shown up on virtual meets, uh, but they were region champs uh, or area champs, and I think that they actually have a great shot of making it on the podium. They just happen to be running mostly tough courses all this season. So don't be surprised if Athens Academy shows up uh, in that top five finish for single A private girls. Now the individual race, I think is gonna have some interesting drama, particularly when you start thinking about uh, the places two through six. Um, I think the the top runner in the class, Aaron Fegans of Landmark, is, is sort of like a, a Justin Wachtel type character. She comes from a family of fast runners. She's willing to push the pace, and I think she's the class of the field. At 5.06, 10.41, she's been running you know, really quick everywhere she goes. But I will note, she has not been on any challenging courses. You know, by my estimation, the toughest course is the Florida State University pre-state course, uh, which is not difficult. And that was a race that she finished 13th in, losing mm-hmm. to people like Madeline Cadeau from South Forsyth. Um, you know, but it's hard to bet against a girl who's been under 18 several times this year. And I think she is going to be your, your victor. Now, when you look to second and third place, my predictions are AIS and AIS, Reagan Mahoney and Cara Joyce. Uh, Mahoney is a 2-12, five-flat girl. And yeah, she lost to Fagans at Region, but she knows how to step up in big races. She was fourth at Wingfoot when she didn't have to do any of the work. So you've seen what her pedigree is like. And for Cara, you know, she was third at Region, losing only to Fagans and Mahoney. You know, this girl has run 2-12 and 4.57. Just like we've been discussing, how is that, you know, what, what kind of race is it going to be where that person is not the favorite? And it's one in which she's got to beat her own teammate and Aaron Fagans. So really an incredible, you know, run through the top three. But beyond that, it's still really deep. You have Luna McCauley of Paidea, really consistent, tough competitor. She's improved a ton this year. She doesn't have the track sort of records that others have, um, but she's proven herself on the cross-country course. 
And the same thing goes for Brooke Browning of, of Hebron Christian. You know, she was a region champ. She's run 515 in the mile. She was 10th at Coach Wood. And if you look at her rankings, you know, she's been top five in almost every race that she's run. So I think some people may be uh, counting her out, you know, when you're thinking about some of these other big names. But this is a, a young lady who certainly is as good as anyone else out there. My, my dark horse to surprise a lot of people will be Reese Newman of Holy Innocence. Um, this team race matters. You know, she's going to be running for her teammates to try to, to try to bring home the team title. You know, and I think she can step up for her girls, and you're going to see her perhaps uh, sneak into that top five. But, you know, given that, you know, Fagan's, as we said, is the, the class of the field here, you know, is Fagan's fast enough, in your opinion, to have the fastest time on the day? Is she national class? You know, I'm not sure that Fagan's is going to run away with it, um, to be honest. She... Reagan beat her at, at Wingfoot this year, um, the one time that they were together. I'm not sure that she's going to run away with it. She beat her last year at State as well. Um, Reagan got, was runner-up, and Vegans was third. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a battle for that top spot that we're potentially describing there. Those two AIS girls worked really hard last year to, to take those top spots as well. So I'm not sure that she will completely run away with it, although Vegans She'll take off, and we saw that at Media Champions 3200 last year. She took off in that race and ran the best that she can. She's, she has no fear in her. You're absolutely right there. I just think this is going to be really close. I think Mahoney might be able to edge her out to take that lead. Yeah, it's tough when you look at you know average time for the year, and Figgins is almost a minute faster you know, in that virtual meet based on average time. But that Wingfoot race is telling. But that's a different kind of race. You know, they were surrounded by other folks. Someone else had to do the work to pull them out. That plays into Mahoney's sit-and-kick mentality that she's used to, to win in other races. But if you look at their area race, Fagans was able to, to win it, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting, I think, because we have the victories of Fagans, but we also have the victories of Mahoney. And you can't count Joyce out. You know, she's got the fastest mile of all those girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, once again, that's what makes this really exciting. And all of them have a team in the fight, too. So, you know, how much risk are they willing to take? take if it could potentially cost their team the top spot on the podium. That's true. That's true. We'll see. Get ready for your best cross-country season with Atlanta Track Club Cross Country Camp. This one-week camp is open to 7th graders all the way to rising seniors and focuses on speed, endurance, and team building. Join us July 13th through 17th at Young Harris College in North Georgia. Registration opens soon. All right. So next race of the day on Saturday, we're still looking at good conditions and we're looking at the 7A titles. The 7A is our largest classification in the state of Georgia, and usually, and it's also this year, the deepest races that we will see. One thing that's very interesting this year is we've had a lot of those top front-end runners come from other classes, and it's not very different here. I think it's pretty clear, cut, and dry that the top 7A runner is Miles Collins. He's well far ahead. He hasn't lost to any 7A competition this year. He set the Gwinnett County course record this year in 1530. There's been a lot of people who've run that course out at the horse park, and for him to set a course record on that just proves it how strong he is. He went heads up with Graham Blanks from 1A Private, beating him at the Athens Academy course in 15 flat. Um, he was third at Wingfoot behind Sully Shelton and Wachtel in an, an impressive finish, and then he was second at Coach Wood. It's just going to be very difficult to see anybody else taking him down. Now, it gets interesting when we're looking at the next runners from there. There's a lot of guys who've all been kind of back and forth throughout the year, um, taking different spots here and taking spots there. But if I was going to narrow it down to a to a top five, I would put in fifth place 
I would take Connor Old of Walton High School. He's a senior. He's had a couple of really strong performances. He was top 10 at Wingfoot, being several of the guys that he had lost to previously at Cobb County. He's got an upward trend going on through this season, and he likes to contend with the lead. Um, He goes up front, and he'll stay up there. He isn't afraid to make that move to make sure a race happens. Walton this year took a trip up to Van Cortland, and he ran 1258 and got third in his division at that very deep meet at the Manhattan Invite. So he's coming off of a pretty strong performance up there against very top competition. I think that he's going to take a top fifth place spot. Next up, I would take Cooper Baco from from Lambert. The Longhorn, he's a junior. I expect big things from him. He had the top time at Ortho this past year um, during the season. Not incredibly fast, but Ortho, it's, it's in the middle of the season. It's hot. Um, but him posing the top time for all 7A and everybody else at that meet in 1627 says a lot. Um, he was top 10 at Wingfoot, and, and he can perform well under pressure, also performing well throughout the season. The next spot, the person who's going to get second place. This gets a little bit a little bit sticky. These two guys, we've got Noah Hayes and Kamari Miller. These two guys have been back and forth all year. Noah will beat Miller. Miller will beat Noah. We've seen some heads up. Miller beat Baco at Barry, but then also lost lost to him at Wingfoot. I think with him setting a PR at Region Alatuna Creek after having also run there at Cobb County and also being consistently behind Noah Hayes, I think he's got a lot of momentum. I think he's going to beat Baco, but not pass on Hayes. So he's going to take the third place spot. So that puts Noah Hayes. He was the Cobb County runner-up right behind Sully Shelton, not not too far behind, but Sully Shelton's on a whole nother level. Uh, he had a top place finish at Coach Wood in 15-14, and he's consistently the next man in line behind Collins in the 7A division at all the races that he's run. So for me, it's Collins is going to take the lead. He's going to take the championship. Hayes in second, Miller in third, Baco and Old round out that four and five spots. Now, the interesting thing here is we've got to talk about Kyle Harkbus. He's the returning champion from last year. We haven't seen a whole lot from him this year. I don't know if he's he's had a low-key season. Um, I'd, I'd be excited to see what, what he does. He hasn't had a whole lot of competition this year. What are your thoughts? He's back. He's back and he's trending upwards. I think it's hard to bet against a returning state champion like Kyle Harkabus. Whenever he has had to run fast to win, he has. Uh, and that's time and time again, whether he's a freshman at state and track or, you know, when he is, uh, he, I mean, he's a national qualifier. I mean, the guy's a footlocker finalist. How, how do we not include him in this conversation? You know, he was third at region, just behind Miller and Hayes uh, at the fast Alatuna course. But really, he was only about four seconds behind Miller of Marietta and about 11 or 12 seconds behind Noah Hayes of Hillgrove. And he's trending in the right direction. Now, knowing that you have this the second group of guys, because like you, I believe that Miles Collins is the class of the field. The second group of guys, you know, you're going to have them sort of eyeing each other. Who's going to want to make that move or take that risk to try to run with Miles Collins, knowing once again that you have seven, eight, nine guys right behind you ready to chomp at the bit, just trying to take you down. I think that's what makes 7A so exciting is this give and take. The top runners are all so evenly matched this year with the exception of Collins um, that, 
you know, if you exert energy making a move up a hill, that might cost you a place or two on the second lap at Carrollton. You know, so measuring your energy, really timing your moves and your surges uh, is going to make for an incredible race. And I think that's why so many people are drawn to 7A, that depth. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Kyle Harkabis is good enough to finish third. Uh, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I I think he's going to finish probably a little bit behind Noah Hayes and uh, Miles Collins, uh, just because Harkabis is Harkabis. But that's not a knock on uh, Kamari Miller. That's not a knock on Cooper Bacco or Chris Chirono of Grayson with a great season. As you mentioned, Connor Old from Walton. You know, Walton has a great storied tradition and, and, and heritage of success there. But I think it's Kyle Harkabis, and you have to put him in the mix. He's definitely a tactician, and, and he he knows exactly when to make the move and it's you're right 7a is an exciting thing to watch with collins potentially out front he may stay with that pack but there's a pack running in that top 15 until the last mile or so then you usually see that thin out so tactics play a very very key role especially in this big race where there's a big pack and you don't know when to separate whether you stay with the pack and just tuck in or or if you go for it and i don't think anyone has ever outkicked kyle harkabas i don't so if harkabas is there with you know 200 meters to go you got to put some money on the man whether that's kicking for second or kicking for third but i don't think it's anyone's ever outkicked harkabis when it's mattered and you know everybody in that field knows, knows that, that exact <laughs> fact so it'll be interesting if they're going to try and run the legs out of harkabis early but it's that's also a hard thing to do we'll we'll see how that plays out yeah i think collins would probably drag some folks out and then uh, we'll, we'll see that second group sort of uh, gel together uh, until that last half mile. Now, a few of those guys are leading a team that's got a real shot to win the state title. There's really four teams, and I, I think it's all up for grabs. Most of these teams are all still relatively close. They've bounced back and forth a few times here and there, beating each other in different places. It, it really is a toss-up. Um, the top four teams that I think are really in the mix, and they're all really close, for me is Marietta, West Forsyth, Brookwood, and Lambert High School. And I think right behind them with almost as equal a shot is is Parkview High School, South Forsyth High School, and Walton. All these guys are all so close together. It's going to be very difficult to really pinpoint who's going to take these spots. If I had to really nail down top five, I would put Parkview High School in in fifth place. They've had a really strong season. They had a really strong runner-up performance um, at Gwinnett County that just put them back on the map. They finished right behind Brookwood, not too far off. So that that gave them a lot of momentum coming into the to the end of the season. In fourth place, I would put Marietta High School Blue Devils. Uh, Coach Coleman is no stranger to that podium with sending the previous team to nationals as well as having multiple state titles in the past uh, five years with his boys and his girls team. They were the top 7A team at Cobb County. At Coachwood, they didn't perform well. They were missing their top guy. They were missing Miller. Um, he was he was not there, so you can't really look at that performance as, as one of their representative of who they are. After their top two guys, they are a little bit weak between the three, four, and five. So that is a place where Parkview or South could move up into that top podium spot if they're able to split up those the three, four, and five. So those three guys need to move up together um, in order to secure a podium spot for them. Yeah, the tightness of your spread, how close your group is, is most apparent and how important it is, is most apparent in the 7A race. Because if you are 10 seconds behind where you should be, that could be 10, 15, 20 points sometimes in the given year. So it's really important to have a tight pack. And if that is a liability for you, it's going to come back and, and bite you in the 7A race. 
especially in those three, four, five spots. Five seconds can be 20 people. It's really that deep in this race. Third place is West Forsyth High School, uh, coached by Clayton Tillery over these, the Wolverines. They had a strong win at, uh, at Warpath Invitational earlier this year. I think they haven't had as much competition um, throughout the year. They came to Wingfoot and then they went to Warpath, but they, they've kind of been off the grid a little bit. And I think that they are going to pull it together and uh, and really take a, take a third place spot and give the other two teams a run for their money. Now coming down to the top team, I've got Lambert and Brookwood. These two teams are really, really solid teams. Brookwood made a really strong performance at Coachwood. They were the second place 7A team behind Lambert. They're the Gwinnett County champions. And and there's something to be said about Brookwood boys always being a contender for the podium. No matter what happens, Coach Denke ends up pulling those guys in and they make a podium spot. There was, I think, I forget what the, the exact statistic is. They've won... They were on the podium like 19 of the past 20-something years. They've been a great program going back to the 1980s. Uh, and the tradition there is alive and well with Coach Denke and Coach Carter on the on the boys and girls' sides, respectively. Uh, you can't bet against Brookwood. Uh, they have that tradition. They have that experience. Uh, and, you know, the ability to, to calmly perform when it counts. So a great pick to be a, potentially a state champion or state runner-up. And then that leaves Lambert. Lambert uh, won the state title a couple years ago. Um, they were the underdogs to, to win that. Most teams didn't have them in there. I think now that they've seen that that team can win, that they're going to have a target on their back. They were the top 7A school at Wingfoot. They were the top 7A school at Coach Wood. Um, they've got a strong low stick in Baca, who's making a top three to top five uh, spot. They, they've been ranked all class number one, and they've got a little bit of legwork to make sure that they can hold that spot. I mean, I, I think that they are capable of doing it. Coach Tig has done a great job with that that program after moving from Parkview uh, over there, and we should see a really good team from the Longhorns. Yeah, their 2016 state championship was no fluke, as we've seen them perform very well at state every single year. And in fact, I think what's best about Lambert is that you get what you expect from them at state. Um, I, they sometimes overperform, but they rarely ever underperform. And that's a great thing to have because state is, is really no different than any other meet. So if you go out there and you perform the way you're supposed to, you're normally going to then finish where you're supposed to. So that ability to calmly execute your race plan uh, usually translates to, to high finishes. And Lambert is a great example of that, having that ability. And you got to give credit to where credit's due, and that's Coach Tig. Um, he always has them prepared. So like you, I'm, I'm predicting Lambert to, to bring home the trophy. Uh, I think Brookwood is a close second. And after that, we have a really interesting uh, battle between a couple of teams. So next, we'll, we'll move on to the 7-8 girls. In this one, if we're looking at the individual races, I don't really see a clear favorite. We're looking at it. It's going to be a tight pack, I think, the, almost the whole race. I think we're going to see a couple of these girls make a move and somebody's going to counter. Maybe she gets away. It's going to be very, very interesting. If I'm looking at the top five um, or just outside the top five, I think we're going to see uh, McKenna Calbert from, from Etowah. We're going to see Sarah Burrell from Walton. And I think we're going to see Reese Sadler from Brookwood just outside that top five. Some of those, they've competed well this season. They could sneak into the top five, but I think they're going to be right on that periphery hunting for one of those spots. In the top five from there, um, I think we've got five girls who've all kind of gone back and forth with each other all year. A little bit inconsistent where one had a good day, one had not such a good day. And I'm not sure which one we're going to see. But if I'm moving up from fifth to first, I think 
we're going to see a Milton Eagle get fifth place uh, with Naya Hernandez. Um, she just recently signed with Kennesaw State. She was 15th at Coachwood, 24th at Wingfoot in a relatively good spot. She's had a, she's had a relatively strong year. Next up to take the fourth place spot, I think it's going to be Grace Ellsworth of Hillgrove. Um, she's a Cobb County champion, but Naya Hernandez beat her at Wingfoot. And then she came back and she lost to Naya Hernandez again at Coachwood, but she had a really strong performance at Great American in 29th. It just depends on which grace we're going to see on the day. Coach Gambrell has done a great job of working on consistency to great. They're looking and eyeing at state as their top performance, and Grace performed well last year as state. And I think she's going to eke out the fourth place spot over Milton, even though she's lost to her twice. The next three, these girls have been back and forth a couple of times. I think we've got Madeline Cadeau, Sarah McCartney, and June Wanicki. And I hope I'm saying that right. These three girls have gone back and forth uh, a couple of times this year, and it's really a toss-up. I'm going to put June Wanicki in third from Marietta, the Marietta Blue Devils. She got 19th in Wingfoot. That was a solid performance, but she got fifth at Cobb County. Um, she was 12th at Coachwood, which put her against ahead of Ellsworth, so she's trending in an upward direction. And just the history of Marietta always performing well at state, I think there's a good bit of pressure riding on her for the team title and I think she's going to step up and really try to get an extra spot or two up on the front end to help the Blue Devils get on the podium. In second place I think is going to be Sarah McCartney uh, of Archer. I think she's had a she's had a really good season didn't perform as well as she probably could have at Wingfoot but then she came back um, she placed 11th at Coachwood, beating all the rest of the other girls that I've just mentioned. Um, heads up at Coachwood. She has an 1831 PR. Coach McCartney out there does has done a great job with her, and I think that she's got a lot of momentum coming off of uh, the end of her season, and she's moving forward and is going to take the second-place spot. And that, that leads me to Cadeau. I think Cadeau has had an up-and-down season, but she has done – well and has is a senior at South Forsyth. They're also pushing for the team title. So she's the top 7A runner at Wingfoot and at Cover Bridge where she was only beat by Reagan Mahoney. Share a performance at FSU. Um, she got seventh place behind national qualifiers as well as some of the top runners in, in the nation down there. Um, she was about 30 seconds behind her, but it, it was just a really, it was a good performance. So I think all of that, she's trending upwards towards the the title. All of these girls, it's it's really a toss up. Which one are we going to see at state on Saturday? Um, but I think Cadeau is going to take it. Yeah, I don't think Cadeau has had a perfect season, but she's getting hot right now at the right time. And her time at FSU was really strong. And then to come back and break 18 minutes at her region or area meet was very impressive. You know, she's a 458, 1045, 1752 young lady. Uh, I think she runs away with this uh, over the course of that second lap. But when you consider this field, it, it is more even than I think it's ever been, where second place could be eighth place and eighth place could be third place and uh, vice versa, any way you slice it. And I think that's one of the reasons we keep saying it draws people to that 7A is the uncertainty of what the outcome is going to be. And so many of these young ladies have beaten the others at one point in the season. It's hard to say who's going who's gonna to be there on that day. And the best example you gave of that was Ellsworth and Hernandez, um, with Hernandez having beaten Ellsworth twice, but it was a 
a great shot at Ellsworth being able to beat her, you know, when it comes to state. So I think these are the most exciting sort of battles beyond first place that we're going to see in a lot of these classifications. And like we've seen in a lot of cases, it determines a lot of the team battles. And this girls race for the first time is almost, I don't, I don't call it wide open, but it's not as clear a favorite, I think, as it has been in previous years. Right. In, in previous years, we've seen some of these teams be the favorites. Um, this year, again, it's, 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 it's a tough decision to really try and pick out who we think is going to be going to be leading. A lot of these girls have been back and forth. We see, we see a lot of mixes and they've, they've all got different styles of team as well. If I break down the podium, when I'm looking at it, I've got four teams that I think are going to be the ones on the podium and a couple that are going to be just outside. I think the podium spots are going to go to West Forsyth, Marietta, Hillgrove, and South Forsyth. I think those four teams have done a great job this season in placing themselves in those top spots. Um, West Forsyth takes the fourth spot. They were fourth at, at Warpath, not far off from the number two all-class at St. Pius, but they were 12th at Wingfoot. They were the fifth team at, in 7A. So I think with those kind of mixed performances, being really close to St. Pius, but then also being pretty far off some of these 7A teams straight up heads up, that they're going to take that fourth spot. I think Marietta takes that third place spot. There are no strangers to the podium. There's, there's a good bit of history behind that, especially in recent history. Um, they had a solid fourth at Coachwood behind Hillgrove, and then they also lost to Hillgrove at, at Cobb County. So I think that trend's going to stay in Hillgrove in South Forsyth are going to be battling for that top spot. And we're looking at those two teams between South Forsyth and Hillgrove. Hillgrove's the Cobb County champion. South Forsyth was the top 7A school at Coach Wood. They were third at FSU um, invite, which was another big meet down there. Hillgrove was second 7A team behind South Forsyth at Wingfoot Cross Country. So they've lost heads up. So it's a, it's a good mix of the two. I think with that one heads up is this telling sign of where South Forsyth is compared to compared to Hillgrove. South Forsyth has Cadeau up front and then a strong pack of girls right behind them. Hillgrove is a little bit, it, they're, they're also a strong team, but I think South Forsyth War Eagles with uh, Nick Wansley at the helm is, is going to take it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of goat lock going on here. I think West Forsyth is going to be an interesting storyline because I think if you're watching them on the first lap, you're not going to see a West Forsyth jersey, period. They're a team that likes to, to start at state in the pack, move up that second half, particularly the last 800 meters. And I think they're going to run their way to a third place finish, but they will not be in that top race. They won't be in the contention for the state championship because they're going to be in that pack. And that's going to make it a difficult thing for them uh, to move up enough to be able to challenge for first and second. But I think West Forsyth is going to come on strong. I think they're going to be able to finish third. Uh, they get buried in the virtual meet a little bit because uh, they don't always run a ton of fast courses, but they're a very strong team. Uh, but when it comes down to the top, I, I don't have a call. I think South Forsyth and Hillgrove actually line up very well. When you consider they both have a top runner in their number one, I think Hillgrove's two and three are as strong or perhaps a little bit stronger than South Forsyth's. Um, but South Forsyth has a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom that comes from that. And when you can look down the line and you consider, you know, who are you know teams that have won? Well, South Forsyth is one. And there's bound to be someone on that team who knows what it feels like to hold that trophy up when you're standing on top of the podium. The only other team that knows what that feels like that's in that race is going to be Marietta, who won 2017, who won 2018. You know, so I think that experience is going to go to South Forsyth, but I think it's going to be incredible 
incredibly close. Uh, I think it's going to be a South Forsyth victory within five points between the two of them. All right, so next up we got the two-way boys. Two-way boys is going to be a, a fun race. We've got two teams that have been back and forth uh, this season, and then two other teams that are also going to be fighting for that third-place spot. So it's really two teams battling for one and two, and two teams battling for three and four. Blackley County and Oglethorpe County are going to be battling for that third and fourth spot. Oglethorpe County has went fifth at Eagle Invitational at Lamar Murphy, averaging an 18.29. It's a relatively quick course, and that's a pretty solid time against competition that they don't normally see. And they finished behind Banks County and Union County. What's interesting here is that Banks, three out of the four teams here are all from the same region. So that region has seen each other. They've competed over and over again. So it's going to pretty much line up around what we see there. So these teams have seen each other. Banks County, Union County, and Oglethorpe are all in the same region. There's a challenge with that in that, you know, if you're Banks County and say you beat Union and Oglethorpe County regularly, when you play someone the second time, you can beat them. You play them the third time, it's sometimes that much harder to beat them. And you might think it might give you this insurmountable advantage, but I found that, you know, by the time you're facing someone the fourth or fifth time, it's more difficult to pull off that victory sometimes. So I think we got these two interesting storylines playing out, but it shows you how centralized the power in AA is right up there in the same region. Mm-hmm. And the fourth outlier there is, is Bleckley County from a different region. I think that it's going to be one, two, three, all from that same region. I think Bleckley County is going to take that last fourth place spot. They've got a really strong one, two, but then after that, they lose a little bit of steam. Um, so I think they're going to take the fourth place spot. They were their region champion, but I think that Oglethorpe County is going to edge them out. Yeah, what's hurting Bleckley County, I think, really is their lack of depth. But this is a team that was one of the first to challenge the private schools in AA back when there were private schools in AA. So there's a, a history here of showing up when it counts and a history of, of being a state performer. And I think you got to hand it to them and you, you can't count them out uh, when we get to Carrollton because of that tradition that they have. So I'm going to go ahead and pick up a, a Blackley County upset. I think you're going to see Blackley County potentially rise uh, up to third and maybe even to second on the back of that strength of, of experience. You know, when you look at a school like Union and Oglethorpe and Banks, they haven't have that same heritage that Blackley has. But I don't think anyone's going to be able to take down Banks County uh, in the fact they have Griffin Stevens up front uh, and as fast as they've been running at places like Wingfoot. You know, they've been winning, as you said, region meets. They are they are the team to beat in AA boys. You've got that front runner, as you've mentioned before, when that front runner is way out front, it rises all ships. It, it brings everybody else for it makes the whole team better and I think that Banks County with Griffin Stevens up front is likely going to do that they came and experienced a big invitational at Wingfoot Cross Country and I watched Griffin Stevens take it out and he went on to win fourth place but in a very strong performance looking at those individuals I think it's, it's very clear cut and dry that Griffin Stevens is going to take the the championship for for 2A I don't want to count out uh, names like Garrett Rogers and Luke Gambrell of, of Union County and Luke Churchwell of uh, Bleckley County. I just think that Griffin Stevens is, is on a different level right now, and he's definitely going to take it out, and he's going to try and put the hammer down and, and take the lead. 
I'm gonna give a shout out to Simon Shabor of uh, Model as well. Here's a young man that was running the 19s earlier in the season. And now he's PR and uh, at the end of the season running 16:46 at Region 7 AA. That's a guy you can't count out in terms of contending for the podium. And I know that Rogers and Campbell and Churchwell will be thinking about him, you know, on that second loop. But I believe, like you do, that Stevens has this one in the bag. Now, how do you feel about the uh, 2A girls team competition? 2A girls is going to be interesting as well. I think we've got a pretty clear winner on the girls' side in the returning state champion of, of Zoe Sanchez. Um, she's had a good year. She's she's well ahead of, of some of her other competition in, in 2A. So I think, I think she's got it locked up. Plus, she's also got that on her back that she's the state champion from last year. So I think she's going to repeat that and, and keep that going. The next three spots are going to see probably a little bit of a, of a shakeup. I think in second place, we're going to see Tristan Crosby of uh, Bleckley County. And then I think where they're going to go two, three with Bleckley County, um, knowing that there is a team title on the line with Austin Perez taking the third spot. And, and then Mari Jablonski of Monticello uh, taking up the fourth place spot as we look at these individuals finishing up in 2A. Yeah, I'm going to throw out the name of uh, Zoe Marchant as well from Jeff Davis, who's got a great chance of stepping up. She ran a, a good PR at the Wayne County home meet number three, 2027, consistently sort of around 21 uh, minutes or so for a lot of her races. Again, coming on at the right time, I think she's a great person to be able to challenge for around fifth place. Uh, and certainly they're doing good things down at Jeff Davis and I'd like to see uh, more and more uh, programs get elevated here in double A. Yeah, it's it's very good to see these these two A teams are are elevating to a new level as they continue to move up, as coaches continue to get more involved and stay there. We start seeing these teams bubbling up. Um, I know for in fact Shelley Cranford of Bleckley County has had an integral part in that, being a part of the community and pushing pushing that up through there. As we're looking at the at the teams, I think Jeff Davis has a strong chance to be on the podium, potentially taking the the second place spot. Um, as you mentioned, they're doing a good job with that program down there. They've got a good front runner in, in Zoe there. And I think that with that front runner and the pressures of state that they're going to take the second place spot over Oglethorpe County. That's just my guts telling me that Jeff Davis is going to take, take that second place spot. And to take the win, I think Bleckley County is going to walk away with it. There's no reason why I think that Bleckley County is going to struggle to, to take this win. I think that all five of their runners are going to be within the top 20, and they should be having three rounding out all in the top 10. Coach Cranford has done a great job on both the boys and the girls' side to develop a culture of working hard and, and getting their runners to perform well at state. Yeah, I agree. Bleckley County has this one. Uh, they're just too tough, potentially putting even up to six runners in the top 20. But I don't think you know the rest of podium positions are as cut and dry. When you look at the virtual meet, you have just 27 points between second and sixth place with Jeff Davis and Oglethorpe at the front end. But you know you got St. Vincent's Academy, you got Banks County, you got Berrien County, and a school like Banks County, they have a spread of just uh, 76 seconds. And while they don't have any front runners, as we've kept talking about, if they shift over, you know. 
five seconds a person, that puts them into second place in this race overall. But you look at a school like Berrien County, they have two girls in the top 10, but their number five is way back in 74th. If that number five has a great day, finishes 50th, all of a sudden they're in second place. So really interesting storylines here playing out uh, in these uh, AA girls races. And I'm gonna go ahead and, and put my money on an upset with Banks County rising up to finish third. I think Jeff Davis will finish second, and I think Oglethorpe will be finishing fourth. But Blackley County, they're an unstoppable juggernaut in AA. After the state meet, there are more races to be run. Middle school runners are invited to join Atlanta Track Club's youth cross-country team for all the postseason action. We race right through December. Register at atlantatrackclub.org. Well, this brings us to the AAA boys race. And uh, like so many of these races, this is going to be quite the matchup here when we look at these top five teams. And I think the team race is really going to be the most interesting piece here. And I'm going to go ahead and put these five teams out there. Uh, Pace Academy, Lovett, Westminster, Dawson County, and North Hall all here together. And I'll make the prediction that North Hall is going to go ahead and finish fifth place. They're currently ranked fourth in their classification, uh, and their top runner is Andrew Jones. Coach Sam Borg is leading the way here. Uh, North Hall, uh, I think, is going to also pull home potentially the individual state champion, and that really helps, as we've been saying along the whole way here, that when you have a top athlete, it pulls up the rest of your team. It means they're essentially only scoring four people in the team competition. So there's lots of room for improvement when you look at their four and five, and that's a, a really helpful piece uh, because they can gain a lot of ground there. Their score is certainly not maxed out. While other teams can go backwards if someone has a bad day, really North Hole is only going to be able to move up. And I predict they're going to show up big time, uh, sneaking in into fifth place. Uh, I think they're going to have a really great meet. Now, if you look to fourth place, I'm going to go ahead and predict Dawson County uh, coming in there. They are currently ranked fifth all classes. And uh, they're led by uh, Ben McGinnish and uh, Colin Kilgore. And this team is a podium team, without a doubt. Their one and two is as good as anyone's in the classification, except maybe Westminster. And their three through five is a very solid pack. Now, the need to tighten that up a little bit, if they can bring their three through five up uh, into the same sort of stratosphere that Westminster, Lovett, and Pace are, this is a team that could finish much higher on the podium. But uh, truthfully, I, I think they are drastically underrated and a team that will definitely make some noise here in this AAA race. The third place team I'm predicting to be Lovett. Now, Lovett was third at their region. They are second in the virtual meet, but it's really tough to tell if they were racing all out or not. But their 1-2, once again, are, are very strong. Their number one runner in the form of Jackson Borden is a contender for a top three spot individually. That's going to help that team out a lot. And their 3-5 and five are a good pack, but they have potential to move up five spots each or so, and that puts them in a spot to be competing and contesting those top three trophies. But I don't think Lovett has the same depth that Westminster and Pace has. They don't have the same uh, firepower up front. So, for example, if you take a look at Westminster, Westminster has an incredible team here. Their one-two punch is super strong. They're led by Zach Rowe, an incredibly tough guy. They have Matthew Fernando as well there. But their four and five are a relative weakness compared to some of these other schools. They're ranked 31st and 40th in Class 3A. 
Now, that means, of course, if they have a great day, this is a team that's going to come out on top. But on paper, that's a little bit more of a liability for them right here. So Westminster has a lot of potential here. And their 1-2 is going to carry them, I think, all the way up to second place. Bringing home the championship, I predict to be Pace Academy here. They really have all the pieces. Their power up front is uh, cannot be disputed with three people finishing likely in the top 10 in this class. And they have the best number four and a very solid number five. But the truth is, Pace Academy has not won a state championship in uh, recent years, so that puts them in a position where they're going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Westminster has some tradition going for them. Joe Tribble is an absolute legend in Georgia cross country, and I don't think anyone can dispute that he has won more state cross country championships than any other coach, except maybe for Westminster's girls coach, Amy Eubanks. So that gives Westminster an advantage when you think about being on that line, having gotten that job done many times. Now, some teams are going to feel left out here. I think particularly Jefferson uh, City Schools will feel like they deserve a spot on the podium. But if you look at them in the virtual meet, they have one name listed twice, and that skews their score as they're getting an advantage of a faster runner twice. So that's something to really factor in when you're thinking, where's Jefferson? Now, the other team I think you should be considering uh, would be Pike County. They placed a perfect 15 at their region meet with a team average nearly three minutes faster than the second place team. But the truth is, we don't have any clue how good they really are because they haven't been racing teams like Pace, Westminster, and Lovett. Now, the Pike girls, interesting, also scored a perfect 15 at their region meet. I don't think Pike is good enough to be on the podium, but certainly worth mentioning with that perfect score. So I predict Pace bringing home the championship in the AAA boys. Now, when we look at the individual race, I think this is going to be a great battle between Andrew Jones and Zachary Rowe. But there are other people here to have a say in this, including George Adams of Pace Academy, Matthew Fernando of Westminster, and Jackson Borden of Lovett. The virtual meet hands this over to Jones, but I don't think it's going to be a total runaway. Jones certainly has a pedigree as a 426-945 guy, and he's beat Zachary Rowe at Coach Wood. He has lots of victories all year long, and he was an impressive fourth at Wingfoot. It's very tough to root against him, but Rowe has proved himself to be tough in big meets. The 427-930 guy has the same track times. He was a region champ, and he just beat all of Pace, Lovett, and other Westminster runners while winning Wendy's as well, and was finishing seventh at Wingfoot. Zachary Rowe is the real deal. Zachary Rowe can compete with almost anybody, but I do think Andrew Jones is going to be able to pull away in this. When you look down to third, fourth, and fifth, I think George Adams, Pace Academy's number one runner, is likely to be third place. A 423-154 guy, he's coming on strong at the right time, getting better week over week. This just hopes that he's in it in the final hill and he can use those 154 wheels to try to finish in the top two. Matthew Fernando, Westminster's number two runner, has been incredibly consistent. Also an 800-meter runner, having run 157 on the track, he can be really tough when it comes to the last couple minutes of that race. He's run tough at Carrollton Orthopedic in the past, and he seems to be coming around back to his fitness again. I pick Fernando to finish fourth after George Adams of Pace Academy. In fifth, I predict Jackson Borden of Lovett. I believe he had an off day at Region, but he's run 1542 at Great American and has been sub-16 five times this season. Very consistent, 425 miler. When you look at this, we have five guys, all of whom have run under 430, many of whom have run under 425, all contending for the individual victory. Now, there's two other people to factor into this individual race. Ben McGinnis of Dawson County and Lane Hollis of Kohula Creek. 
Now, Ben McGinnis, no one is looking for him, but he has great coaching, and he's been under the radar for most of this season. Along with his teammate Colin Kilgore, they could certainly make some noise as Dawson County is trying to make it onto the podium. Lane Hollis, on the other hand, has been at the front of a race. Lane won the wingfoot race for the varsity on Saturday and is truly untested compared to many of these other runners. He's mostly been competing in local meets throughout the season and has been first place or second place in literally every event. He hasn't actually had to go against anyone of the caliber of Jones or Rowe, and certainly he's one who could show up here as we go into the individual race. But I think this is Jones's race to lose, as he has beaten all of these folks in AAA time and time again. But I think we can see some fireworks, as Rowe and Adams and Hollis are not going to just lie down for him and will push him to an incredibly fast time. What if Jones goes out too hard? What if there's four guys going up the final hill and some can use their 800 meter speed? I'm not sure, but I think Jones is going to pull this one out. As we move into the girls' AAA race, there are actually about eight teams who will be contending for spots, but the top four have really separated themselves from the rest. If you look, you can see Cherokee Bluff High School, Dawson County, North Hall, Savannah Arts Academy, Jefferson High School, Lovett, Pace Academy, and Westminster School all contending for the top slots here on Saturday in Carrollton. I predict North Hall, Jefferson High, Pace Academy, Lovett, and Westminster to pull down the top five slots. North Hall is currently ranked fifth by the coaches and I think will finish fifth in the AAA race. Coached by Sam Borg and led by Kaylee Wagner, the Trojans have a really good, strong team up front, but their three and five could lose a ton of time and become a significant factor in this race. So there's lots of room for growth and improvement for North Hall, and they have the potential to actually finish on the podium if the 3, 4, and 5 really help. But I think the top four teams are a class of themselves, and as a result, these scores will be very low in the state championships. It'll also make the meet look closer than it probably actually is. In fourth place on the podium, I predict Jefferson High School. Their 1-2 punch is very solid, and their 3-5 through can run as a team. And truly, I think if they push up, they can surprise the others. Led by Catherine Hall, Brady Sigler's Dragons have are having a breakout year, but I don't think they have a shot at catching Pace Academy. Pace Academy may be less experienced than some of the other teams and have less firepower up front, but they have a great pack with their 3, 4, 5, and 6. I think Pace has a great advantage when it comes to trying to move their entire team up in the field and contend. I think they could easily finish runner-up in this race, but they're lacking the front runners and low sticks to be a true champion in this. Lovett is in the real battle that it's going to be for second place. They've been there before. They have a super strong top three led by Sidney Lamberson, and they have a nice small spread when it comes to their team. But having a spread uh, that's too big in the state meet doesn't really matter as much as it does in a race like Wingfoot. So their four through seven can gain a lot of ground as the race goes on, moving up and through the field. But their top low sticks and low runners are going to be the big advantage, which will bring them to be the runners up in this race. Westminster has got to be the favorite going into this, and they're currently ranked number one in Class AAA. Led by Amy Eubanks, a legendary coach with more state championships in cross country than probably anyone else in the state, and led by individual runner Mira Srinvasa, the Wildcats are poised to bring another championship back. Westminster is just simply too strong. They're likely to have two runners in the top five and three more runners in the top 15. And then if you look on paper, their six and seven are way stronger than anyone else's number four. Considering this, Westminster is almost a lock to bring this home. 
but they've faltered in the past. And I know Lovett and Pace Academy will be there chomping at the bit to try to bring that trophy back to their own gymnasiums if Westminster were to make a mistake. Individually, you have Westminster at the front, along with North Hall, Jefferson, Lovett, Pace Academy, and Kahula Creek as well. I think it's important to start here around fourth and fifth place, where you have some really interesting matchups. Catherine Law of Jefferson was a Region 8 champ, and she's lost to the likes of Kaylee Wagner of North Hall earlier in the season, but she's gotten stronger and stronger as this season has progressed. Wagner, as well, knows how to win. She was the 7A champ, Region 7 champ. She's a consistent top four runner in every race that she's been in and incredibly strong. This 245-606 girl has improved quite a bit, and Catherine Law, as a 530-1144 girl, is about where she should be. I pick Wagner to get third and Law to get fourth. The battle for fifth, I think, is up in the air. Sydney Lamberson has proven herself to be a consistent 19s runner. The 526 miler has solid coaching and is a solid conservative pick to finish fifth. But Laura Arenth of Pace Academy, who is third in Region 5, and Kaylee Bandy of Kahula Creek, who is second at Wingfoot, both of them will be fighting for that top five position. I think Bandy has a great shot to surprise someone. And while she is moderately better on the track than she is in cross country, she's had some success on the bigger stages when she has run. Individually, though, this is much more wide open than I think many people would expect. Westminster certainly has the opportunity to sweep this with Mira Srinvasa and Palmer Wallstad, though. Srinvasa was the Region 5 runner-up, but has been truly battle-tested. She's beaten Palmer Wallstead, her teammate, and Catherine Law of Jefferson at ASICS, and has been consistent all year long with the exception of her region performance. She's made huge improvements this year. With a PR in the low 18s, she was just a 236-539 girl going into this season. You have to hand it to Coach Eubanks for developing her talent. Now, Palmer Wallstead, on the other hand, she's a freshman, and she's coming on at the right time. She was a Region 5A champ and has a huge upside, truly being almost a total unknown to many. She's improved week in and week out, but I think the veteran status and experience of Mira Srinvasa will make her the pick to be the state champion. Looking for a postseason 5K? Join us on Thanksgiving Day for the Invesco QQQ Thanksgiving Day 5K. It's just the workout you need before heading for the big holiday feast. The race starts outside Georgia State Stadium and finishes inside on the football field. Register now at atlantatrackclub.org. The last races of the day will be single A public, beginning with the boys and followed by the girls. If you hang out for the awards, you can often see them in the twilight as the sun is setting, which makes for quite the backdrop for this incredible competition. This year, more so than in others, we actually have some very strong races, both individually and in the team competitions. Starting with the boys' team race, this is an interesting piece as we have both former state championship teams and some newcomers on the scene. The real five teams that are going to be competing for the podium will be Georgia Military, Towns County, Atkinson County, Commerce, and Chalet County. Georgia Military is ranked fifth in single A currently, and I predict them to finish in that spot. Led by coaches Debbie Barsby and Rob Sherwood and the top runner Ethan Tolentino, Georgia Military really needs to have some low sticks, but their two through five is as strong as almost anybody's. I don't think that'll be enough to overcome what Towns County is bringing. It's a very experienced team, a team that's been in the thick of it and the hunt for much of the year and in previous years, and they have a rock-solid top four. If their number five shows up, I think they have a great potential to move further up in the field. 
The Indians are led by Liam King as their top runner and are coached by Tim Rosser. I predict Towns will end up finishing fourth. Atkinson County is ranked sixth currently. The Rebels are led by individual runner Holland Lott and coached by Michelle McKinnon and Leela Taft. Atkinson has just a 65-second spread, which is almost unheard of in single-A public, and their fourth and fifth runners are the best in the race, without a doubt. But they have less firepower up front. Can they pack it in enough to pack the trophy out? I think they have the firepower to finish third in this tough competition. Commerce is truly an interesting school to be looking at. They're likely to have three people finish in the top five of the race and four to finish in the top 15. But their fifth is ranked 54 and their sixth is ranked 92. They could win going away if their fifth runner has a great day, but at state, the pack often wins, and I think this is a liability for Commerce. Very exciting, as you'll see lots of the Tigers up front, including individual Brandon Martin. Mark Hale was recently featured by the Georgia Coaches Association and Georgia Mile Split in a coach's spotlight, and that's because of the success that he has had. I expect them to continue that with a runner-up finish. Schley County is ranked number one in single-A private. The Wildcats are coached by Gabe Tice, and their top runner is David Williams. Their 156 spread is reasonable for single-A public, but they have two guys in the top seven and another in the top 13. Their fourth and fifth are within striking distance, so they're in an excellent spot to bring home the overall victory. I predict that Schley will pack it in after a three-way battle early on, and they will bring home the win. Atkinson, as we said, has a great chance to slide up if their three through fifth improve, and Commerce could win the whole thing running away with it if their fifth is on, but could slide back as far as fourth overall if their fifth has a bad day. I think Schley will take home the victory, but we'll have to see how this plays out. Individually, all of these schools also have someone in the mix. The top five will certainly have a lot of Commerce, it'll have some Schley County, and an upstart from Drew Charter as well, in my opinion. In fifth place, I predict J.J. Morris of Commerce. He's not as consistent as his teammates have been, but when he is on, he is on. And knowing that he is a key to a team victory, I will count on him excelling and being on the podium. In fourth place, I predict Jaden Causey of Drew Charter. Atlanta Public Schools is representing with this young man, and he had run 1741 on the brutally tough Grant Park course. If he can run 1741 at Grant Park, I think he can run faster than that at Carrollton. This means he's got a real shot at being higher up if his area and region performance was just an off one. He may have been sick, but if he's healthy, I think he can be runner-up overall in single-A public. Third place is likely to be David Williams of Schley County. He was a region champ and dominated his region without a doubt. He's improved every week throughout the season. Truth is, he was an 18-minute guy on fast courses early in the season, and now he's a low 17-minute guy. He can truly surprise folks and be the runner-up if he shows up big today. DeMarco Hernandez of Commerce is likely to be the runner-up. A 10.45 two-miler, he's dipped under 17 minutes before and has run low to mid-17s every race. But he hasn't been able to compete with Brandon Martin, his teammate, who's been a consistent sub-17 guy. Whether fast course or slow course, he's always near the front. He was region champ by a lot and has run 10.19 on the track. Brandon Martin is hands down the favorite to be the individual champion in single-A public. Going back to my dark horse pick to surprise, I have to look at Jaden Causey of Drew Charter. He has no pressure and really knows the hills from Grant Park. I think he'll surprise folks, as most people don't have him on his radar. 
the race for second place is probably the bigger race of the day, with Hernandez, Williams, Causey, and Morris all fighting to kick that second place crown after Martin wins his individual state championship. The single A public girls race is the final race of the day and has many of the familiar teams from the boys race, including Commerce and Georgia Military. But there's some new people in town as well, including Ace Charter, Telfair County, and Atlanta Classical Academy. The virtual meet winner would be Ace Charter, but things can change. And some schools like Bankington don't even show up in the virtual race and are ranked third overall. They can certainly be on the podium on a good day. But I predict Commerce coming in in fifth place, and they have a ranking of fourth overall in the coaches' polls. The Tigers are coached by Mark Hale and are led by Peyton Bell. Commerce is really helped by Bell's low stick, but their 2-5 to five have a lot of work to do if they're going to have a shot at being on the podium. Fourth place is likely to be Atlanta Classical. And while they're ranked seventh by the coaches, the Cavaliers, who are coached by Hannah Kauser, have the same story that so many have. The number five and number six truly need to step up for them to be able to compete with the top three teams. If their number five or six have a bad day, I would expect Commerce to leapfrog them or perhaps even Baconton and steal a podium slot. This is similar to Telfair, whose number five really hurts them. While they are ranked second overall by the coaches and are led by Paige White, their number five hurts them much like Atlanta Classical. But this could also be an asset for them as there's a huge opportunity for improvement. Their one and two are simply stellar in the class of the field, and there's an opportunity for the rest of their team to have good days to move Telfair up into the top two positions. I think the biggest discussion has to be the battle between Ace Charter and Georgia Military. They really line up perfectly with each other until you get to number five, and I expect it to be really close. And while Georgia Military is ranked fifth and Ace Charter is ranked first, and Ace was the region champs by a good margin, I think State is different. Seriously, if you look at their team average, they're just one second apart, and the virtual meet has them just five points apart. Both have points to gain through their number five with Georgia Military and their four and five through Ace Charter. But front runners matter and packs matter. It's going to be a heck of a race. I predict that Ace Charter brings home the victory over Georgia Military. Looking at the individuals, I think, once again, we have a person who is hands down the best in the state, and that is Gracie O'Neill. Gracie is from Gordon Lee, and you could bet your house that she's likely to be the state champion, and perhaps is the surest victory of the entire day, even looking at the likes of Justin Wachtel and other runners in different classifications. She's been simply stellar all year long, winning her races by minutes over other single-A public runners. Without a doubt, she'll be bringing home Gordon Lee's individual state championship. I actually think O'Neill may be the best single-A public runner, girl or boy, since Hunter Kimball from Georgia Military and the way she's been running. And if she has a great day, she can be the fastest single-A public female of the last decade. Now Paige White of Telfair and Peyton Bell of Commerce would tend to disagree. Both are region champs. Paige White has been super consistent, never having a bad day all season long, which is not bad for someone who sprints the 200 and the 60 meters in the spring. Peyton Bell, as well, has been very consistent running sub-21 and sub-22 clockings and is very well coached and is ready to go. But Gracie O'Neill has been consistently in the low to mid-19s. I don't think either White or Bell really have a chance to challenge her. Shayla Cook, also of Telfair, and Brett Landing of Jenkins County, both look strong. Cook has been running all season long and improving each week with a great performance at region. 
Well, Brett Landing of Jenkins County has run only one race this entire season at Regent. I think Landing is going to show up big at the state meet and surprise people. I have her finishing fifth and Shayla Cook finishing fourth. The dark horse in all this, I think, is Peyton Bell, who has been very well coached and has a great history of success. I think she can finish as high as second in this event, pushing Paige White of Telfair County. Hey, so thanks, guys. We just wrapped up the first podcast of the state championship previews. If you've enjoyed listening to this, let us know. Tag us on social media at Atlanta Track Club. We're excited, and we wish all of these athletes the best of luck at the state championships. Yeah, let us know if you agree with what we said. Let us know if you disagree. But either way, let us know that you're listening, and uh, we hope to see you out there on the field of Carrollton. A DYJ Media Production.